There's no better way to bet football and basketball than the Bet Rivers Sportsbook app, featuring same game parlays where you can combine different bets from the same game for more action and bigger payouts like the money line, spreads, player scoring, and more. Add award winning customer service, and it's a win win. Bet football, bet basketball, bet rivers. It's a whole new game. Must be 21 plus, available in Maryland only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1 800 Gambler. Hey, BJ's Wholesale Club is having their Black Friday deals. Amazing savings right now, hon. You gonna get me that new laptop I've been asking for? Well, I. Oh, don't tell me. I wanna be surprised. How about that smartwatch with all the features? I mean. Wait. Forget I asked. Just go to BJ's. I don't want to know. New TV. Alrighty then. Stop! Are you trying to ruin my surprise? Save up to 50% during BJ's amazing Black Friday deals while supplies last. Thanksgiving Day through Cyber Monday. BJ's. Absurdly simple savings. Not much. Just, uh... Here. Good. I always forget how to do this through the chat room. Discord is, like, very non-intuitive to me. I mean, I sent you a picture. <laughs> I know you sent me a picture, but it's how to get to that picture that I always forget. Listen, this is I always forget how to get there. This is this is not this is not you fail to instruct me how to do it. This is this is a me thing. I just can't. I just couldn't. No matter how many times I'm in Discord, I always forget to, to go into the chat room first and the raise your hand portion. Whatever. This this is, can't possibly be compelling radio to anyone who's listening. I just turned fifty four two days ago, so the, so everyone you can understand that uh, basically your grandmother is on on right now. <laughs> Grandma Lipman. There you go. We've got yet another nickname. <clears throat> it's like Jeff. Click on the click on the picture. What? The picture. That picture. What? What picture? picture of you when you were a baby? Which one? The one in the tub or the one in the pool? Is a cute one with your cousin? The picture that is literally of you and me and, and everyone else. What? That's you and me? I don't want to pay for anything. People? <laughs> There's a new person in there. Who's the new person? Is, is that Oscar? <laughs> no, Jeff. That's, that's, uh, that's RJ. He's a black man. He's not. He's not a Asian woman. I know who RJ is. The one next to RJ. Who are you talking about? One under RJ. Oh, you mean you mean uh you mean Monty? The one next to Monty. Is is Monty still around? Yeah, he's still around. We just did a show yesterday. I, I see him on Twitter. Yeah, he's on Twitter. He's on Twitter a lot. Yeah. Uh, well, now we have a show. Now it's uh, it's on his uh, it's on his thing. It's a Saturday wow. morning show. It's like Saturday morning cartoons, cartoons, cartoons. Hey, I need to copyright that. Um, well, trademark, but okay. You trademark that, and then uh, that and uh, Mountain Drew. That's a uh, Anna's suggestion. That's a good one, Mountain Drew. Uh huh. You can do that with with your show with Mish because he's like a mountain. <laughs> I think Mish has too many shows already. Well, I don't know. I, I get the feeling that he's slowly trying to turn Wrestling Soup into a twenty four seven channel, and need more shows for that. Now he doesn't need to be on them all, but you know, maybe uh, 
Maybe maybe one with you. They, they mentioned your name every single goddamn show. You're 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 more over than anyone else. I mean, yeah, Capital can can resist an opportunity to to put your name into anything. I mean, I don't I don't think I'm over, but you know, I I appreciate when they do mention me. They constantly mention you. It's a. It's, I'm telling you, there's a lot of love there for you. Not so much for me. I mean, I appreciate the love. Uh, oh, by the way, happy birthday, Mesh. Happy birthday, Mesh. My birthday two days ago. He's like two weeks ago. Well, technically two days, but you know. Um, yeah, happy birthday to you. Happy. I mean, your birthday was on Friday, so happy birthday again. His birthday is the same as mine. One well, of your birthday was on a Friday. Right. When was his? Today. Oh, it's his birthday today. All right. Happy birthday, Mesh. Hey, I'm trying Take to be nice. Hey, I'm trying to be nice. To you, okay. How How old is he? I don't know. Probably like uh, he's. Uh, I assume he's immortal. <laughs> so seventy-two thousand. <laughs> yeah, sounds about right. Oh, he's he's like what forty-one, forty-two, something like that. I think he was born in seventy-seven, so probably forty-five. Okay, forty-five. I'm, I'm still I'm still much older. Are you older than uh, Are you older than Castle, or the same age? Castle is five months older than me. Ah, okay. So uh, he's he's the old man for like five months, and then I catch up. And I'm just the youngin. Well, this is a young man game. And you've managed you've managed to come in and leave an impact. Well, I mean, it's not like I've been successful at it. I'm just on, nah, I'm on you're the air a lot. Oh, shut up. You're successful. Stop. Really? I, I mean, come on. I, 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 I was expecting to have 50,000 listens by now. For sure. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you have five listeners or 50,000 listeners. You just have people listening to the show. That's what matters. Uh, there's something to that. But there's something to, uh, you know, listen, if this was a TV network, I'd be canceled. Well, this isn't. So, I mean, just, I don't, I do this for fun. I don't care. Like, I, I don't even have a thousand followers on Twitter. Like, I don't even care about that. Like, RJ has over a thousand followers. Monty has over a thousand no. followers. Like, I don't really I don't care. Think I do either. Like, it I'm doesn't. Sure I'm a, you know, I, well, yeah, I, I have, I have six, 680, something like that. Like, Julian told me that a long time ago, where I was on a show on Julian Cannon, where he said, uh, it doesn't matter if I have six listeners or 60 or 600. I just have, I, what matters is that I have people listening. Yeah, that's true. But you know, the people who say that are always the ones who have like, you know, <laughs> 10 to 20,000 downloads a show or whatever. So, I mean, no, I also do, well, I do Garden of Doom for me. Uh, I do garden views partially for me. Um, one wrestling podcast I do, you know, would be enough for me to get my to to scratch that itch. But I do a lot. Of, I, I mean, I do a lot of shows on the PWC. Um, not always, you know, and it's not like it's terrible or anything. But it, you know, it was never really supposed to be that way because there were a bunch of people that were on it, but. People have sort of like you know dropped off for various reasons, um, and so someone had to pick up the slack. So it's basically me and Jimmy T on every show, 
And uh, while that's fine, and, and there may be advantages to it, that that it was like never my intention to be on, you know, on on one network talking wrestling five times a week, let alone my own show, and then occasionally guesting on other people's shows. Also, it, I mean, it gets exhausting talking about wrestling all the time, and and you know, basically saying the same thing two or three times a week. It's inevitably you. I mean, wrestling, as you know. Is stuff stuff happens every single day, and there's news every day, and and sometimes it's big, and sometimes small things feel big, and whatever. So it, it it's the gift that keeps on giving. But like, there are people who who you know like to do that. They like to talk to their audience every single day. I mean, Don Tony does that. I, I think Jason does that now. I think JD from New York does it. I'm not really sure, but uh, a lot of people they they have shows every day. Um, that that was never really my vision. It's it's you know a, a little exhausting um, at times. Yeah, I couldn't do that. Honestly, I mean, it's just I like to. I mean, this week has probably been the busiest for me because you know the Wednesday show. I did a show on Friday with RJ for our Patreon. I did two shows yesterday. Uh, the morning with uh, Monty, and then one at night. Uh, the Q and A with uh, Justin, and then uh, today. So this is. I know. I, I listened to your regular show. Then I then I listened to. I guess it was Monte. Where it was. Uh, we've got much to discuss. Um, I, I uh, got. I uh, sort of lost it a little bit. Not. I sort of lost the the thread a little bit during the Black Adam uh, talk because I I didn't see it. And I mean, talk about a film that's dropped off. I mean, I'm not really surprised. But week one, everyone was talking about. By week two, nobody was talking about it. I mean, to be fair, I mean, the big thing of the film was just, you know, Henry coming back and then Wakanda Forever came in and it's just like, Black Adam who? Oh, wait, wait. Henry? Who, who are you on the first name? Oh, Henry Cavill? Cavill? Henry, Henry Cavill. There you go. He was in the movie? Well, I mean, oh, you haven't seen it yet. Uh, but don't worry, I'll see it when it comes out free on HBO. Don't worry about spoilers with me. I, I don't care about a spoiler for for a DC movie. D- DC to me is complete rubbish. So, and then I'll just spoil it for you. So, uh, the post credit scene is uh, Black Adams on his throne, and then Amanda Waller. I, I, I heard your show yesterday. Yeah, I heard the Monty show, but I, actually, just tell the audience for the people who didn't hear the the Patreon show yet. So the post credit scene is you know Black Adam is sitting on his throne. And on all of a sudden, you see a drone come in, and it's Amanda Waller, it's Viola Davis, you know, saying, "Hey, you got my attention now." So I'm just letting you know, this right, is a... don't say actor names, say character names. I don't know who these fucking actors are. What everyone knows, Viola. Whatever. Anyways, you're pissing me off. Anyways, I'll just say it anyway. Vi- Amanda Waller. Amanda Waller comes in, says, "You got my attention. Just make sure you don't exit your 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 area. If you exit." Your homeland, we're going to send people after you. And, you know, Black Adam says, send them all. Like, nobody on this earth can stop me. And then, you know, Amanda Waller says, I can call him some favors from people that aren't from Earth that can stop you. And, you know, Black Adam says, send them all. And he destroys the drone, and all of a sudden you hear a whoosh come in. And you just hear a voice saying, it's been a while since people have been this uh, nervous. And you see Henry come in with the curl, with the suit. And he just says, Black Adam, we should talk. Oh, so Superman. All right, very good. That's an, it's a nice scene. So, um, And then, you know, Wakanda Forever came out. And 
Of course, I saw that. Great. Movie. Yeah, of course you did. I'm I'm hearing that it. Okay, this this is basically what I'm hearing. I'm hearing it's pretty good, which because of all the goodwill equity that Marvel has and Black Panther has, and because of all the social reasons that people are you know maybe overly invested in it and because of the death of the star which has people overly invested i'm going to take pretty good as it wasn't that good he <sighs> a little faith I mean, it was it was a, it was a good movie um it probably could have been shorter because it's like i think two hours and 41 minutes but it it was I mean, it was a good movie. I liked it. I enjoyed it. I'm, I want to see it again. Um, oh, it's a lot. It's a lot. I'm just letting you know it's a lot to take in. And you know, from beginning, middle to end, it's yeah, Mish. I see Mish. Hey, what's up, Mish? Um, yeah, it's like two hours and forty one minutes. I believe it's like the second longest movie that they've done. Um, it's a good movie. I enjoyed it. Um, it's very emotional. We enjoy everything. So, I mean, we, we, need, we need to hear, like, I, I read John Draper's review. It was like, it's long. I liked it. It was pretty good. Uh, which, I mean, Draper also likes more things than I do. I mean, like, uh, I take a lot of their horror recommendations, but I'm, I'm slowing down because there's a lot of things they just love. When I say the, they, I mean sort of like the Break the Apocalypse wing of the of the museum. Um it's a lot of stuff they love. I, I either think it's meh or I don't like it at all. Now, some of it I love, but I mean, you know, that, that's, you know, so I, I really can't go by your recommendations or his recommendations. You know, if he said something was awesome, uh, I'm going to be more interested, but I need to hear from other people. Now, if he says something was awful, and if you say something is awful, then I know it's really awful. Like when you said M- Morbius was awful, 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 uh, you know, then, then I knew there was just no point whatsoever. So you basically just contradicted yourself when you said I like everything. You liked everything except Morbius. No, there's been some movies I didn't like. Name others. Uh, the Northman. The Northman wasn't good. You're right, it wasn't. I didn't like Smile as much as I thought I would. I didn't see it, but I mean, come on, it's just a gimmick movie. It's it's a horror movie. I thought I was going to like it a lot more. I didn't think Black Adam was perfect. I said I enjoyed it. It's a fun popcorn movie, but didn't say it was perfect. Um, what are some other movies I reviewed? Halloween Ends was ass. Hellraiser was a- Hellraiser was ass. Uh, the reboot. You're not talking about the original. The original wasn't that big of a fan of, but the reboot was ass. The original was amazing. Didn't see the reboot. Uh, let's see. Yeah, we didn't like the Northman. Orphan Kills. I didn't think it was all that great. I thought. It had an interesting twist, but it wasn't enough to hook me. So, I don't know, just, I don't what like was the last it. movie you just said? What was that? What was the last movie you just said? Orphan Kills. Oh, Orphan Kills. But yeah, I saw Orphan. Orphan Orphan was okay. I mean, it, it, it was the, good. It was, the original you know, Orphan was good, but... The, the, I'm talking about the original Orphan. Yeah, the prequel was just meh. It's okay. Um, I mean... If you saw the Omen Four, you basically basically already saw Orphan. We're throwing a little bit with the the Kirsten Dunst version of the vampire and interview with a vampire, and you've you've got Orphan Kills. I mean, again, I don't like everything. I mean, I I just there's things I like, and if I don't like anything, I'm just not going to talk about it. 
So anybody who's new to hear me, I am prone to hyperbole. I know that Drew doesn't like everything. He just likes an overwhelming. He's overwhelmingly positive, or or non-discriminating in his media, which is not an insult. To, you know, it, it, it would be, it's better in life to enjoy more things than not. It's just I am highly picky in in my media except when i'm strangely not like for example moonfall moonfall was a terrible movie nobody liked it but i did because it's exactly the kind of stupid schlock i like i mean there's there's movies that are just so bad that they're good i mean there's nothing wrong with that i mean it's just like for me it's just like if a movie is just really emotionally impactive i can negate some like plot holes in the movie but, hey, hey, you cry too much. Yeah, shut up. Hey, if I wasn't crying in this movie, a, a thousand other people were crying. So don't even like, get on me for crying in this movie. Bunch of wusses. Oh, you're a wuss. Anyways. Are you going to try and make me cry? Yeah, I'm going to make you cry. Try harder. Uh, Mish, you want ju- to jump on? It's his birthday. Give him a day off. Have Wait. him jump on. Let's, let's, let's see what he's got going on. Yeah, he said you guys got room. I don't know if he meant that as a joke or if he really wants to jump on. Hey, Mish. What's going on, boys? Hey, happy birthday, don't Mish. Oh, thank you. Yeah, happy birthday. Slick magic of big girl loving. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Slick magic. Where'd you get that from? Um, oh, that was uh, one of Krauser's prostitutes. Sounds about right. <laughs> yes. When he was looking for prostitutes, um, one of the girls that we found, this was her profile, that you can't handle the slick magic of big girl loving. And so we sent her a couple of emails trying to get her and Crowder together. So, Sick. fun times. So Those when Chicago he prostitutes was... are the best prostitutes, let me tell you. <laughs> I'm sure that there are. It's a, it's a very service-oriented, big-money city. I mean, if he was willing to spend 2000 for a night, I'm sure he could get some oh, good Oh, yeah, luck. but he was... All right, to, to preface that, when he was going crazy with the, the, the girls that he was looking for, he was also on the Golden Mile, right? Like, I don't know if you've ever been to the Mag, Mag Mile, the Magnificent Mile, Golden Mile, whatever you want to call it here in Chicago. Are you talking about Magnificent. Michigan Avenue, or are you talking about yeah. the, like, Lake Yeah, of Michigan. course. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and sign up with promo code SWING to receive $200 in free bets on launch day after registering. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. 21 and over, physically present in Maryland. Eligibility restrictions apply. Subject to regulatory licensing requirements. See DraftKings.com MD for full terms and conditions. Conditions, one per customer. Bonus issued as free bets. No purchase necessary for sweepstake. Void where prohibited. Ends first day DraftKings is allowed to operate in Maryland. See terms at dkng.co slash md. Hey, BJ's Wholesale Club is having their Black Friday deals. Amazing savings right now, hon. You gonna get me that new laptop I've been asking for? Well, I... Oh, no, don't tell me. I want to be surprised. How about that smartwatch with all the features? I mean... Wait. Forget I asked. Just go to BJ's. I don't want to know. New TV. Alrighty then. Stop! Are you trying to ruin my surprise? Save up to 50% during BJ's amazing Black Friday deals while supplies last. Thanksgiving Day through Cyber Monday. BJ's. Absurdly simple savings. Good Avenue. I, so I was there, was I, I was there every there. year. <laughs> I, was, I was in Chicago for a conference at the, at, at, I think it's the the Hilton, the business Hilton, right next to the John Hancock building. Oh, that's so where I was, right I was for Jerry Springer. 
Yeah. So I was right there next to, I mean, Bulgari was literally the, the corner store at the base of the building. Right. And then, you know, Rush is, is right down. You were right next to Harpo Point. Studios, too. That's where Oprah yeah. films, right there. Absolutely. And, mm-hmm. you know, we, you could walk one way and see some of the luxury stores, but if you walk, if you took a left, you go in towards the river, all the way up Michigan Avenue, past the Waterloo and yeah. uh, malls and uh, Ferragamo and, you know, Boss and Gucci. and that, you know, Yeah, I you worked can, uh, at the borders right there, right across from the water tower and right next to the FAO Schwartz, where they filmed big among a, a bunch of other movies, too. So. Yeah, I've been to the Prada up there. I've been to the Hermes. Signature room? You ever eaten at the Signature room? No, but hey, it's Spago. Okay, fair enough. And the one of the chefs who was like the runner up on um, Top Chef was there, so I got a, a photo with her. Oh. Um, yeah, I didn't and, know you were uh, that well versed in Chicago, Jeff. I used to go to Chicago every year at least once for the Commercial Law League of America. That's where the international convention was every year. So I was there every year for 15 years, but also for the Legal Shield uh, and prepaid legal conferences. It was in Chicago a couple times. And then I've been, you know, just a couple times on my own. I mean, and... and I, you ever do, like, yeah. is it a vacation or is it always like a business? Uh, uh, I conference as a verb, so my business conferences are vacations. And it's hard to believe it. I was, I was very well liked, and I was like on lots of committees and on the board of governors and shit. So, like, I mean, you know, we all the meals were free. All the meals were great. The, you know, they were. At, uh, I once met this guy John Garini at at some Italian restaurants downstairs, and met this fabulous Persian family to, to bring Drew, Drew into this thing. And like, I don't know, probably hitting on the guy's daughters, and he didn't seem to mind, and he's buying us drinks. Yeah, so we I all know how Drew likes to hit on the guy's daughters. Come on now. No, well, this I is mean, uh, <laughs> I won't say that well, I do, but I won't say that I do. Well, A, they were hot, but it was weird that their parents were right there and didn't seem offended by it at all. Um, anyway, so I bet with this guy, John Garini, he's like, everyone's going to love my California wine. I said, everyone's going to love the wine I pick. He goes, all right, well, let's bet. What What's the bet? I said, the bet is the, the loser, you know, has to pay the, the table bill. He's like, you're on. And and so uh, he ordered some California wine that tastes like dirt and mushrooms, like all California wines do, the fancy ones. And I ordered a, a terrific, delicious Amarone. And there were 12 people at the table, and it was 11 to 1 in my favor. And then we asked the waiter. He's like, ah, oh, these people don't know anything about wine. And then, well, what about the waiter? He's like, I like the Amarone better. So it was 12 to 1, and Garini had to pay for everything. Nice. Nice. It's very nice. You're, you're a bit fancy. You, you can definitely be a little bit fancy. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I forget that Jeff comes from a place where you kind of have that level of business etiquette, you know, because, I mean, I'm, I'm a steak and potatoes kind of guy. You know what I mean? When it comes to wine pairings and stuff, I'm I'm clueless, Jeff. I have no fucking I, clue I which red wine goes with what type of fish or or what type of meats and stuff like that. Like, there's a reason why, you know, if you go to those places, you just ask the waiter for what's best. You well, know? here's the first of all, for wine, you should drink what you like. I mean, you shouldn't drink just because of the parents. That's that's no, like, no, no, no. That's not the point. I thought the whole point of the pairing was. That when you drink that type of wine, especially with whatever meal that you have, it's supposed to accentuate the meal and it's actually true. make yeah. the flavors of like the meat come out and stand out much better. 
That's there why you can't sit there and pair a steak with like a white Zinfandel, you know? Oh, it's true. There is truth to that. However, if you're not someone that it actually does enhance the flavors for you and you like another one, I mean, the pairings is what they want you to believe. Yeah. But if you... but. You drinking what you actual actually like, you know. You know, like there's people that are rich enough to buy the brands that you, you've never even heard of, right? You know, there's people who say you want, you know, if you're a woman, you want the Chanel bag because everyone knows what it is. And then there's these other bags like Birkins or something that's nobody's heard of, or like the shoes for men, Aldens, nobody's heard of them. You've but heard of you them. say, but when you say drink whatever you like, that's a blue collar tactic. I mean, at the end of the day, if you ask me what I'd like to drink with my steak, I'll I'll take a couple of shots of Jaeger. And no, I'm sure no. that there would be chefs that would look at me like I'm the fucking Antichrist on fire for even um, saying such a thing, you know? Actually they they wouldn't. They would they would be mad at you if you ordered your steak well done or you've asked for oh, a one. True, true. <laughs> if you're ordering alcohol, that that's where all the profit comes from, so they'll be like, drink on, playa. Um <laughs> play, but, play. Uh, Listen, playa. I can be fancy with yeah. steak and potatoes, but I can I don't also remember the last time a chef called me Playa, but I want to go to one of these places that Jeff goes <laughs> to here in Chicago. We went to a restaurant. This was not in Chicago, but it was with the same crew. I think it was in Las Vegas, and it was maybe one of Wolfgang Puck's restaurants. And the same guy, John Garini. By the way, I have another Chicago story about me. It's John Garini. For years, like you know, you know, we knew he was divorced. We knew that his wife was like a, his ex-wife was like a drug addict, and Greeny got custody of his two girls, and and that's really all all we knew, you know. And he always, you know, he was the most locker room jokey guy of them all. And at some point on Facebook, he didn't, he came out that that he was gay, and nobody cared. I mean, it was all cool, but he was still making like boob jokes and things like that. So it was the weirdest thing. Anyway, so I, I, at the time I was married, so I, I took him with me to go to, it was either Dior or Chanel to help me pick out a, a, a purse for, for my wife, because that's what you have to do. Um, and he's like, I don't know anything about this. I, and I'm like, you are the us- most useless gay man alive. And I actually took him by the scruff of his jacket and like the, and the, like the belt of his pants and I, like, you know, cartoon threw him out of the, the store. I said, I'll handle this myself. Um, also, he always wore this ye- ugly yellow tie. So, when he was the outgoing chair of a section, the incoming chair—it's—it's it's tradition to get them a gift. So, I got him a nice, beautiful yellow Brioni tie, and he wore it all the time, which made me very happy. Anyway, so back, so back, back to Chicago. So, Garini, I guess, I guess once you're when you're rich and gay, you know lots of rich and gay people, and he knew the head pastry chef, dessert chef for all of the of the puck restaurants. So he got us the best table. He got us this 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 tasting menu for the desserts. We could all order what we wanted for our meals. And my friend Ken Rozick, who's no longer my friend, or because he he goes to me ever since I became unimportant, um, he ordered a steak, and then he ordered it well done with blue cheese. And the chef actually came out and said, the "Chef will not cook this for you." <laughs> <laughs> Was he actually a Michelin star chef too? Uh I'm not sure. I know that they have a weird. So my one of my exes was like really big into you know um, working with proper food, right? She worked at different restaurants with different Michelin stars, like that was her whole thing. And I remember going there and helping them out for uh, a Christmas uh, service, actually, because they were short staffed and they had a lot more people planned to show up than they expected, which is fine. And 
I remember, first off, it was the only time I'd ever been in a kitchen with an actual Michelin star chef. I think uh, his restaurant was called Michael. And you couldn't say Michael's or else he'd fucking lose his shit. You know, it had to be Michael. And that's how you had to say it. And uh, he had two stars at the time. I don't know if he still does. I, I mean, we're talking it's been shit probably 15 years if not longer so i'm not really sure whatever happened but the first thing you recognize when you go into these restaurants is how insane the back room is and i don't mean sloppy or anything else like that but everybody's doing five things at once like everybody from the fucking dishwasher to the sauciers to the people that are actually cooking the food you know like every single person is uh preparing a dish cooking a dish uh, getting more dishes ready or getting everything prepped. Like, it's just this constant, just this buzz work, this, this beehive of just people making and creating dishes and stuff. And the second thing was, is how serious um, his reputation was. Like, it was to the point that, I mean, even dishwashers and, and people that, anybody that had to go out on the floor had to look perfect. Like, if there was a smudge on your shirt, go change your shirt. You know what I mean? If you got sauce on your shirt, go change your shirt. Like, there was no time to, like, oh, well, I'll just, you know, rub a little alcohol or whatever on it and clean it. No, none of that shit. You had to be perfect. Everything had to be set. And I think it was then, and, and not necessarily the blue cheese and the well-done steak, but on that level, I think somebody asked for something altered. And I remember him in the back screaming at the top of his lungs to the point where I'm like, I'm surprised that the people up front don't hear him. I'm not changing a fucking thing. There's a reason <laughs> I made it this fucking way. And that's how they'll fucking eat it. Like, <laughs> like it's, Very Gordon Ramsay. Oh, yeah. And that's not bullshit. I, I know a lot of people that think that the whole Gordon Ramsay thing is a work. And it's like, no, these chefs are kind of crazy like that. I mean, it even goes back to, uh, what was his name? Anthony, um, oh, the one that passed. Ordain. Uh, Ordain, right. Yeah, and he lived that crazy lifestyle inside the kitchen and outside the kitchen. A lot of these chefs really are a little bit nuts when it comes to their food. Because it's not, to them, it's not food. To us, it's food, right? We're getting an amazing meal or whatever. To them, and I hate saying it like this, to them, it's their art. But it it is is their art. It is. If you've ever watched Top Chef, and I watched 10 seasons of it before I checked out, because uh, it was sort of the same thing over and over again. I got tired of like investing in new characters, just wasn't interested. Um, the way they put things together and the way they conceive things, it is art. I mean, it, it's not just their imagination. It actually is art, and I realize that, and I'm just like, hey, uh, that, 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 that's a lot. I mean, you know... Uh, a lot of this stuff sounds good, but uh, I'm pretty happy with like a just good cheeseburger, you know. Um, yeah. Same. But yeah, yeah, so this this episode of the Drew Yari show, or I'm sorry, what, what what's the name from from uh, Drew's for, lips to your ears? For, from our lips to your ears. Okay, there's not a Drew's in there somewhere. I'm no, sorry well, for interrupting. I, I can. Oh no no no, no 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 no! You're you're more than welcome to be on here. Yeah, no, stick around if you want. Um, so this, this Drew gave me funny. You don't look Drewish. Uh, Drew gave me a homework assignment for this one. Uh, actually, I sort of suggested it because, like a lot of the shows, he likes to just talk about what we're watching. But basically, it ends up with me saying what I hate and what he loves. And so I'm like, 
let's stray from that. Nobody, nobody needs to know what I'm watching, and I'm really not watching this much that much because there's like nine thousand hours of wrestling on a week, so I'm not watching a whole lot of other stuff. Um, I was so I'm like, uh, well, you always do. I said, I said, tell me some monsters or demons, you know, from movies that you like, and and let's see if like there's anything that I can find on them. So. Uh, it, it's almost like a Drew Yari Garden of Doom crossover, but I know Mish likes monsters. Uh, he, I do. He's, he's gigantic, so uh, <laughs> he has—he has, probably has some blood of the Raphaim in him. And so, um, so Drew, why don't you start? Which which monster do you do you want me to start with for you? Because I I, I put some time and effort into this. All right, um, I have my list right here. So let's start with. The Jin. Okay. All right. So the Jin, sometimes called the genie in the anglicized version, the DJIN or two Ns. Sometimes there's an I at the end. Sometimes the I indicates that it's feminine. So the Jin are interesting. And they're probably, you know, when you think of a, a Jin, you probably think of. Um, Aladdin, or for those of you who watch the MCU, you probably think of Miss Marvel. Um, Neither really is what they're supposed to be. So the jinn are like humans in that they're not—they're not angels. They're below angels. They—they are—they're not exactly immortal, but they have much longer lifespans. But they are—they're born with the ability to choose whether or not they believe in God or not. So this is taking a very Islamic version of the jinn. Um, so they can, you can have good and bad jinn, like like witches. But it's really closer to like the Fey folk um, in Celtic and Scandinavian Germanic. It, it's it's really they're really more like the Will of the Wisp or the original Jack o' Lantern or the Sprite. Um, they're basically created from smoke, um, whereas the Will of the Wisp is more from fog or or light. Some people say because of sandstorms uh, and the ball lightning that was created in sandstorms um, from the friction, that that's sort of where it comes from. But they're, they, they're, you could call them demons, but they're not from hell. So, uh, and think a little bit of the movie Fallen, where there was a demon that was going from body to body. That would be uh, cognate to Azazel. the Jew. Well, that was the name in, in the movie. We'll get to Azazel. I know he was on your list. Um, but the jinn are like that. They can they can possess a body for good or for evil, but when they possess a body, a human body, it's usually for evil. Um, so they're sort of demonic, but there can be good jinn as well. So that, that's the basics on the jinn. Um, this whole granting of wish things, that's more like the fairy tale version. It's more for like metaphors or, or parables, sort of like to teach kids a lesson. Um, but they they can have supernatural powers from time to time. But they're more preternatural than supernatural. All right, interesting. Um, and then uh, we we I mean, you brought this up and I brought it up. Uh, Azazel, who is um, yes. I mean, the biggest um, exposure that Azazel's had in media, which you just mentioned, the movie Fallen with Denzel, and uh, the show Supernatural. Which um, I'm assuming those aren't like I guess the correct adaptations of the uh, the being known as Azazel. 
Fallen can be, depending on who you listen to. Supernatural, I, I watched one episode and checked out. Um, so I don't I don't know what the reference with Supernatural is. All right, so Azazel is actually originally a place. Um, and it's a place where you would bring your your donkeys. That was literally the, the, the translation of the word in Old Hebrew, where you bring your donkeys or goats. So... You know, some people infer that where you took them to sacrifice and it and it grew. But the Azazel that you're speaking of actually comes from the books of Enoch. So books of Enoch are a little bit weird um, because everyone assumes that they're really, really old and that they're part of the Bible and, and people treat them as if they are, but they're not. In fact, most religions treat them as non-canonical, not non-part of the Bible. Some do. I believe a bunch of the evangelical churches do, and then some denominations do, but the Catholic Church, for example, does not. Um, if I could throw two cents in there, which is really weird, sure. considering that the Catholic Bible actually has 12 additional books that also aren't part of the Bible that they accept as doctrine. The, the, the Catholic, if you go with all the Gospels, there's... There's over 30 Gospels that weren't accepted in there. Right. Those are called the Gnostic Gospels. But there's also these other books, uh, and, and there might be others. Uh, the books of the Book of Enoch were probably um, written around 100 B.C., so about 2,100 years ago. Um, hey, BJ's Wholesale Club is having their Black Friday deals. Amazing savings right now, hon. You gonna get me that new laptop I've been asking for? Well, I... No, don't tell me. I want to be surprised. How about that smartwatch with all the features? I mean... Wait, forget I asked. Just go to BJ's. I don't want to know. New TV. Alrighty then. Stop! Are you trying to ruin my surprise? Save up to 50% during BJ's amazing Black Friday deals while supplies last. Thanksgiving Day through Cyber Monday. BJ's. Absurdly simple savings. Hear that? That's the sound of a patient whose health data is protected from a cyber attack. And that, that's the sound of a financial system that's digitally secured from bad actors. Right now, there's an invisible war being fought on a digital battlefield that impacts what we do every day. That's why at Paraton, we do the can't be done to help protect the vital systems we rely on. Because if we don't, the alternative is unimaginable. Paraton. And they were found a place called Karam in Ethiopia. Interestingly enough, the, the, uh, to Misha's point, the Eastern Orthodox religions, which Russian, Antioch, Armenian, um, uh, Bulgarian, Albanian, all, all Greek Orthodox, a lot of those Orthodox churches, they have four more books than the Catholic Church has. I think the Catholic Church has 67 books in, in, their, in their Bible. Eastern Orthodox have 71, and the Ethiopian has more. Ethiopian has like 76 or something like that. Um, and then the Ethiopians and their relationship to Christianity and Judaism is, is actually really interesting as it's its own story. Anyway, so Judaism, they accept the Book of Enoch not as part of the doctrine, but they accept it and they take it to be proof it's supportive of God's covenant with the Jewish people. Do not ask me how or why, uh, or well, don't ask me how. I can tell you the why. The, the why is because if you actually break down God and you go to, you know, and the angels and the different, there's like nine choirs of angels, uh, which are broken into three basic ranks of angels with different powers and attributes. 
um, you had Enoch who ascended to godhood, a little bit like Hercules did, maybe like Jesus did, you know, who knows. Um, you also have Jesus. So you have, the point being is, when you really look at these things, is there really a monotheistic religion, especially when you have a devil that, that God apparently can't defeat? So, you know, is there really a monotheistic religion? So what the Talmudic scholars did is they accepted the Book of Enoch, but their view of angels is that they're not immortal. They're not immortal gods. They're not. They're not like uh, Osiris or Apollo or you know, and any god you can think of. Thor. They're they're like robots. They're basically automatons. They have they have they have no thoughts of their own. They're 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 basically dogs. God tells them what to do. They're messengers. They're malachim. They they they're messengers. They do it. They run God's errands, and that's all they are. And and so. You know, so to, if you to accept the book of Enoch's prayer, uh, what the hell? Are you kidding me? Angels seem to have made okay. choices, and yeah, I mean, you have well, maybe the most famous angel of them all. Satan, who's not the same Satan that we're talking about, Satan, who kept saying okay. to God, let me torment Job, you know, let me test Job for you. And God's like, all right, have it, do whatever you want. And, and well, Satan did plenty of things. He was the adversary, the accuser. That's what, that's what Satan means. Um, so, anyway, back to Azazel. So, Book of Enoch. Azazel is one of the seven leaders of the Watchers, which is about 200 to 240. 40 angels who came down to earth to watch and observe the human race cue to the eternals movie um if you like cue to the anunnaki if you like i can go on and on uh with l and things like that um but anyway uh so azazel at in many of the forms is the leader of the watchers he's not always the leader sometimes the leader is lucifer but he's not named anywhere. Lucifer come the, the Lucifer means the bright one and the morning star. So we're not really sure who Lucifer was necessarily. Um, we know who he's become. Um, but Samael was also considered possibly the end. And by the way, all these names L the the it's like the same as when people convert to Islam. A lot of times they pick hyphen L or Eel or Bay. Um, L simply means God, the one. Um, I thought it was in Milton's book where Lucifer was described as being, um, where, where they really talked about, um, or I should say they, he really talked about where Lucifer came from. I forgot exactly which book it was off the top of my head, but I'll look at it. Paradise Lost. Yes, yes. That's where I thought Lucifer really came from, uh, the origins, because it talked about his descent into hell and everything else like that too so right. I, didn't think it was, I didn't think it was part of the bible at all i thought it was an artist's interpretation of the bible which was milton and, and it's become morphed in because you're right because lucifer was the morning star and the morning star is mercury and mercury is attached to hermes the the right. not hermes the, the the fancy schmancy house but Hermes, the messenger of the gods in, in Greek mythology and, and in, in several other pantheons, is always sort of a messenger god. And, well, what do you have in, in the You have Moloch, the messenger. That, I mean, you know, Molokai Black from wrestling, Molokai, 
Moloch well, is Malachi is... and Moloch are completely different. Moloch was the uh, the caretaker of babies and infants before the guff, and when he became a fallen angel, uh, he became like the reason that women have miscarriages. You know, he was the one claiming babies' souls. That's what Moloch became, as far as a demon in hell. That's M O L O C H. Right. Yeah, I'm talking about Ma M A L A. It can be C H I. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm no, it's sorry. okay. It's fine. It's completely different. It, then. No, it really isn't completely different. It's all sort of. It's all Moloch. I think is Babylonian. I'm not sure. Um, but uh, anyway, so there's so when you hear. Azazel, it's it's really his name was Azaz, but El meant he belonged to El, you know, because he was a servant of El. And going back to Jacob, when he, you know, the little story, Jacob wrestled with the angel all night, uh, and he became Israel. Israel means wrestle with. He wrestled with God, the one, which is, uh, as a little interesting side note, there's the word Elohim, which means God, but because him, him always means plural, there's, that sort of feeds into that there were you know, sort of these governor gods, sort of like the Anunnaki, they were governor, you know, he was sort of like, like that god was like mayor of that area and had his own, you know, vassals, um, you know, that's that's a whole thing. Anyway, so Azazel was the leader in the story of the angels that revolted against God. Um, they lost, and Raphael uh, defeated Azazel and put him in this hole uh, and buried him forever. His own private hell was called Duaddle. Um And I think in the movie Fallen, somebody somehow let him out. Um, you know, it's sort of like unleashing Tartarus. But Tartarus was a thing in, in Judaism as well. Um, and in the Book of Enoch, it's a different place. Um, Duadel was private for Azazel. Um, so he... Uh, and Milton actually had it different also. They had a, a special level of hell. I think that the, the fallen angels were da- down in Tartarus, which is interesting because that's sort of where the Titans were put after the Greek gods, you know, when when the, the children usurped their fathers, which is sort of like a recurring theme in mythology. Um, yeah. Or having sex with their mothers and things like that. Um, but that, that's what they... Children, you know. I mean, of course, a, yeah. a lot of children eating in Greek mythology. <laughs> so the interesting thing about Azazel is that you know if you if you read the Genesis and you don't have to get far into it, you can you just within the first six pages or so, you'll you'll find the clause right in the beginning, like pretty much right after Adam and Eve, um, uh, you know, after they get cast out from from uh, uh, Eden. You know, a, a cherubim comes down with a fire sword to guard the the palace. They, they never talk about his name, um, but then the the sons of Adam come down and they found that the daughters, uh, the sons of God, come down and they find that the daughters of Adam were fair and they took whatever ones they liked. They created the Nephilim, the Nephilim, however you want to pronounce it. Um, who were the great men of renown, the giants of old, which is in the same language as in, in the golden age of, of Greek mythology, which is also weird. Um, you can also find that phrase similar enough in the Epic of Gilgamesh, uh, uh, which is also sort of weird as well. Or maybe it's not so weird. Maybe there's nothing weird about it at all. Maybe it's just people plagiarizing each other to tell the story their way. Um, 
but you know that that's actually sort of what started Garden Doom. Was this? I will go. Who the fuck are these heroes of old and and great men of renown? We 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 just we we met Adam and Eve two paragraphs ago. What what's old? What what could possibly be old? And when I talk to the yeshiva graduates, they'll say, "Well, when all that begetting and begetting was happening, remember people lived to be like nine hundred then. So you know there 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 was lots of time in there, and so they're talking about that time, sort of between uh, the begetting and the begetting, and so, sort of by the time we got to Noah." Uh, that's what they're talking about, the heroes of old. But it really doesn't read that way. It it, it reads pre-Adam and Eve, um, which is also sort of supported by when Cain kills Abel and they banish Cain to a land, which had a name called Nod, where the goat herders were. Oh, if there's only Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel, why would there be a land with a name where, where there's already goat herders? Who were those goat herders? So there's, you know, so, you know, there's a whole bunch of, so a whole lot has merge from this pre-flood people and things like that and, and you know whether you're graham hancock or you know uh, zachariah sitchin or eric von danigan you all you know people look at that and say well obviously there were people before the flood and it sort of matches archaeology but um another thing about the fallen angels and azazel if you believe that they were seraphim instead of cherubim which is entirely possible um Seraph means flying, uh, flying snake, basically. So you get from you get from serpent to dragon to devil to the devil, and the serpent was originally long, long time ago the 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 symbol of woman and chaos. You can sort of appreciate that, um, but also medicine and healing. Um, but also immortality because they could change their skin. Um, but the serpent went from something that was part of a duality to something evil. <laughs> and that's <laughs> when they started taking over when the patriarchal um, humans defeated the more matriarchal societies, which were more uh, stagnant, meaning more settling, staying in one place, less roaming. And it's just, it's just uh, a fun little thing there because that brings you straight into dragons when you get to the whole flying snake thing it also if you get deep enough and if you go deep enough into it it sort of also tells you where the reptilians came from because if the watchers mated with human women and they had children nephilim or otherwise and some survived the flood we know that the you know you had the raphaim you had goliath uh, you had King Og. These were all giants post-flood. So some survived the flood. Some say by going into the hollow earth or climbing to the mountains, whatever it was. Um, this is where your bloodlines comes into. That these Nephilim led to bloodlines and they kept purification. Um, which you think over thousands and thousands of years that, that actually the bloodlines would, would spread out. But the, as the... As, the new mythology goes, they actually kept the bloodlines within, and that's where you have your your 13 families and your 10 kingdoms, and that's where you get your reptilians from, the, the seraphs, the, the, the flying lizards, um, who often are associated with women, uh, and the serpent, which is the devil, um, the temptation, everything that's bad, and and so that that's where you get some people thinking that the reptilians... Um, rule the rule the world, 
and for chaos and evil. And so that's why every time something goes wrong, no matter what the inconsistency is, it's nothing's inconsistency because they're agents of chaos because um, they want you to depend on something, whoever it is, that whenever the time is right, the ten kings will amass their fortunes between, or the ten kingdoms with the thirteen kings will amass their powers and take over. And don't ask me when that happens. Um, but Azazel was the legal, the leader of the Gregori, and the Gregori is just uh, the, the Germanic word for the Watchers who revolted against God. So, there you go. I sort of gave you Azazel, uh, but, well, not so much, but to Fallen, there are a lot of people who think that the Nephilim did die in the Flood. Um, maybe some of their descendants didn't, but the Nephilim died out in, in the Flood, but because they were angels, because they were immortal beings, just their corporeal bodies left, but their their demonic spirits are still there. So the Nephilim are demonic spirits. So when Azazel got freed and fallen, he's a demon. So he goes from place to place, just like all other demons you can think of, they call they possess. Um, and that's that Azazel. Uh, simply put, he's a, he's a demon, fallen angel, demon, non-corporeal, and needs to haunt other humans, which, I mean, there's, you know, there's uh, the the jinn they, they 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 do that too there's there's tons of myths of creatures that that you know occupy and and you know basically possess humans and that that's what azazel is and that's the tie into the nephilim uh and in its all roundabout way although it's sort of a straight line if you look at it straight to QAnon and and uh why that branch of christianity or orthodoxy can get behind anything if they're convinced that that is the the imperfect um, uh, counter, earthbound counter to the Antichrist. Uh, and because the, the, you know, and then you always get into beware of false prophets. Well, who's the false prophet? You know, depending on, you know, so, I mean, you know, but there are a lot of people who thought that Trump was that, was that imperfect vessel, but was the one who was going to battle the Antichrist. Um, and, and that's why there's so many Christian ardent Trump supporters, believe it or not. You brought up the idea of, or I'm sorry, go ahead. But I was, I just, I was just curious that uh, the idea of the snake is only evil in Christian culture, because if you look towards the east, uh, whether China, Japan, or whatever, the snake holds um, a very high deity status, uh, as well as amongst the, you know, the Mexicans in South America with Quetzalcoatl and a bunch of other. It, it seems like. I mean, even in Native American culture, you had the Hopi tribe, which, you know, they the, the entire tribe was based around the snake dance and, and praising of the snakes. And it's wild how the Europeans or the European uh, translation of the snake from Adam and Eve is considered evil. Whereas in most other cultures, the snake is kind of seen as either a double-edged sword where they bring fury and fire, but at the same time, they also bring rain and life. You know, it's it's really wild how it's demonized in that sense, but you know, I, I think it's, it's always... It's not as simple as that, because nothing ever is, but, I mean, it is Western... Where the where the serpents are bad, but but even in like in Africa, not even true Western, because like I said, Native American tribes all love the snakes until we came in and started killing off all the Western tribes. You know, yeah, um, 
but you're right. The, the the snake is often the duality of you know with with. Uh, in fact, the oldest myth, if you're to to believe, you know, most historians, the oldest myth that we know of anyway, um, is at least from the Indo-European speaking people, which were probably in in somewhere in the Russian steppes, so probably somewhere you know Kazakhstan, basically around you know Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, that that part of the world. Um, was that there was there was a king of gods and then hey bj's wholesale club is having their black friday deals amazing savings right now hun you gonna get me that new laptop i've been asking for well oh don't tell me i want to be surprised how about that smartwatch with all the features i mean wait forget i asked just go to bj's i don't want to know new tv Alrighty then stop are you trying to ruin my surprise Save up to 50% during BJ's amazing Black Friday deals while supplies last. Thanksgiving Day through Cyber Monday. BJ's. Absurdly simple savings. Hear that? That's the sound of a patient whose health data is protected from a cyber attack. And that, that's the sound of a financial system that's digitally secured from bad actors. Right now, there's an invisible war being fought on a digital battlefield that impacts what we do every day. That's why at Paraton, we do the can't be done to help protect the vital systems we rely on. Because if we don't, the alternative is unimaginable. Paraton. There was, there were, uh, there was Emo and Enwi, and Emo was the first man. Emo led to Manus, um, first man, and Enwi, the twin, who was a three-headed, six-eyed serpent who represented chaos and and woman. So you're right, but in in the eastern church, in the eastern religions, you know, Chinese, Japanese, the the serpent is venerated, and you and you're right, they, they bring fire and as well and fear, but it it, it it's not it, but it, it you know, like in India, it's sort of a little bit mixed. There's more of the duality, uh, yeah. you know. India, you're right. Withros, sort of comes from there. Um, it should have been mixed in Christianity, but uh, it isn't. Judaism's a little bit more quiet on it. Uh, so you were even talking about the steps. I was looking up the Mongolian, because I know that Mongolians also hold snakes in high regard, and they're even seen as heavenly dragons, which is often interconnected to the Chinese culture of dragons and snakes and stuff like that. So it's really weird. Because you're right, you're right. India, I do know India does look down on snakes. It's their something. It's like the spikes of hell, uh, their version of it of the the afterlife. While you obviously waiting for a reincarnation, um, and I know obviously Europeans have completely demonized snakes based upon mythology and everything else. But it's really weird how it almost seems like snakes being evil is the minority of religion as opposed to the majority of it. So it's it's interesting to me how it's taken so much of a hold that it's synonymous with evil when anything outside of our direct culture it is not. But even in in, in our culture, I mean the, the the twirling snake around this around the staff, the two snakes is the cadasis, you know, that which is the sign is medicine, which is I mean mo, most famous that's, that's not even Christian though. That's not even a no. Christian basis. That's no, it's 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 Greek. It's but right. but you know, but these religions you just put different heads on and names on the on the same things basically. Um, but like the, the the staff with one snake, that's all chaos. That's all chaos magic. You know that that's all uh, that's all bad. But two snakes becomes medicine. So it's it's even a little bit twisted there. But even in African, like there's the Grusalak in in African. It's 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 all like you're. Stereotypical dragon which hoards gems and gold in a cave. 
near water, but it's not a dragon. It's it's it's, it's a giant snake with with a, like an elephant head and giant tusks and and but you can bargain with it. Like it's going to kill you, but but if you like bring it stuff, tribute like smog from <laughs> Lord of the Rings, it's like all right, you can pass. Uh, but if you got nothing, beware. But but you know you, you're right. The, the snakes were venerated because you know they shed their. I mean, there's a very there's a very simple take from some anthropologists, which which and sociologists, which there's probably something to it. But the snake is the oldest predator and most consistent predator of man that there is. Like for 80 million years, there's 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 been snakes out there being a predator, and and that humans we are wired, you know, going back seven million years to our you know pre Homo sapien. To be afraid of snakes, why we're more afraid of snakes than wolves or big cats or bears? I I don't know. I guess because they can be anywhere, they can get into anything. Yeah, I'm sorry for hijacking it on the snakes. I was just very oh. curious about that because you clearly know a little bit more about the religious essence. It's just I've always believed that snakes have gotten an unfair shake, and I think that they have gotten an unfair shake. Right. Uh, but it, it's it's interesting because one of the reasons that we have developed we can see things in color and we see things in three dimension because not all animals do in fact most don't is so that we could pick out snakes in our peripheral vision and discern their colors on the ground um because they were so replete everywhere you know but the the, the serpent sort of become the you know the other uh you know and you know king saint george killed the dragon if you look at the paintings the dragon was like a turkey-sized dragon it wasn't like this giant you know a game of thrones or or lord of the rings dragon but we still believe that loch ness monster is a giant serpent hanging around fucking scotland well saint patrick cleared ireland of all of all the snakes there were no snakes in ireland there's no snakes native to ireland (laughs) there never were um you know it was paganism you know but uh, yeah, so anyway, that was a very long dissertation on Azazel getting us into the serpents <laughs> and the snakes, but it, it is, it got us into dragons, which was on your list, and I think it's interesting that the most famous word for dragon is, is Dracul, which, you know, can mean dragon and devil in languages close to, uh, you know, half of Mish's uh, home world. Um, and, uh, you know, pick that and, you know, what, what is a vampire if not a, a demon that can somehow possess your soul? So, um, you know, there there you have it. a name correlation? Like, let me ask both of you guys that. Do you think that Dracul being the interpretation of devil, and obviously Vladimir uh, Dracul, who was known for piking homeless people, basically, and peasants mm-hmm. uh, on his front yard, who later became the uh, myth of Dracula, is that just wordplay, or was there some kind of connection between those? Oh, there's definitely a connection to it. I mean, it was the the the, the banner of the dragon was was strength and fear, and it was and Dracula is is you know was his son. He and he's the one that went from homeless people to to you know to Saracens to, to Muslim invaders, uh, possibly Huns. Who knows? Yeah. They put their heads on pikes. You know, they're in the Carpathians to. You know, uh, with with his small kingdom of Valachia, to, to well, he basically... invented tortures too. Like there was a level of Dracul that people don't even realize that when you start thinking of the the ancient versions of tortures, not only was he just piking people's heads, he would pike them, sticking it in their taint, and letting them slide down the pole and oh. die slowly that way. Jesus. And this mm-hmm. was, and he also did the other one, which was uh, still to this day is probably one of the darkest things. Is he was he would invite all the 
the children, the poor children and the peasants and the poorest of people. He would bring them into his house, give them this huge feast that they've never had before, like fucking 20 courses, you know, dancing girls and everything else like that, which used to be prostitutes. And when they were all full and happy, he would lock the doors and light his house on fire. That's what yeah. he did. He was a nut. Let, let me ask. Yeah. Let me let me ask you something. Do you think? Um, do you think dragons are possibly like a descendant from like a leviathan or leviathans? I'm sorry. Um, no. I, I mean, I think the dragons are largely a, a mythological creature. Uh, if you want to know what I think, they're more likely if there is a factual basis to it. I. I you know, I'm going to go with the, the, the funny gif with the guy with the crazy hair from Ancient Aliens. I'm not saying it was aliens, but it was aliens. I mean, really? I would think that the simple explanation would be it was some kind of a dinosaur that we haven't we haven't discovered yet, or we haven't really found the bones to. Because well, I mean, the, the we still bird don't we're know fed. how many different descendants of dinosaurs there are, because it's difficult enough trying to get a full... I mean, what was it? Sue? Which is the T Rex, which is like the probably the most popular dinosaur out of them all. We still don't even have a full complete skeleton. I think we have what is it like ninety six percent of mm-hmm. the skeleton, but we still don't even have a hundred percent of any dinosaur. That is entirely possible. I, I just don't know how you get from that to sort of the archetype of the dragon. I mean, maybe it provides the proof of the dragon, and maybe it's the so... pterodactyl. I mean, you're right. I don't. I don't know. I'm just basing it upon any kind of reasonable logic that we have where dragons came from. I always figured it was something similar to what pterodactyls are. And if you go back to the biology of pterodactyls, they didn't have mammal bones. They had bird bones and bird bones tend to decay and become destroyed a lot easier. So my thoughts were dragons were similar to a pterodactyl Whereas they didn't have these big, thick fucking mammoth bones that just last the test of time. They had tiny little bird bones that decayed so much faster. That's why it's difficult for us to find any kind of a proof of dragons. True, but there's there there, there were also big birds. I mean, there there were you know there's condors and there's also crocodilians. I mean, you know, I, I'm not sure that those skulls would be much different. I mean, it's possible. But look, I, I know it sounds a little bit crazy, but even going to Quetzalcoatl, who was the feathered serpent, who was a, a hero from old who came back and returned, and nobody recognized, you know, what, you know, and, and if you actually look at the description of angels, the description of angels are not like beautiful people with wings. If you actually read the descriptions, they have four faces. They have a human face, a bull face, an eagle face, and a lion face, and six sex, sets of wings on the top, on, on their backs. On their... Oh, I want to chime in on that because that came from Ezekiel in the Bible, and it is largely believed that that interpretation of angels may have been closer, and I, I, don't, I hate to get my Vince Russo wig on, uh, <laughs> may have been much closer to what aliens were being presented to gosh who was it that was joe not jonah i forgot who it was in ezekiel but whoever it was in ezekiel that witnessed those angels with the four faces and stuff like that also saw them coming from a great metal orb in the sky the same one exactly in the back of revelations so yeah but what has multiple wings that you can think of now what like fighter jets have 
tail tail wings and you know so maybe a longer thinner one have another set of wings towards the top and and what has four faces a flight helmet in the front you got the, the human face on one side they paint the, sorry a, right a, <laughs> one side they paint the lion on the other side they paint the bull on the other side they paint an eagle mystery soft I don't know, man. Like I, because that, that crosses over it could from be religion, which is apropos to logic and science, which something was obviously in existence. But at the same time, then you start getting into conspiracy theories. And I know I'm totally sidetracking your discussion on dragons. I'm sorry. I just no, it's fine. No worry. <laughs> sorry, Drew. Hey. No apologies necessary. Oh, I, I love this because you haven't wanted to step into the Garden of Doom, but now you can, now you don't want to leave. That's right. That's right. You're in our quicksand. You can never, never leave. <laughs> but um, like House of Mirrors in a labyrinth. Um. Oh, you want to start talking about Minotaurs? You want to start talking about labyrinths? Minotaurs <laughs> is probably one of my favorite monsters of. Christian and theology and pretty much any kind of basis. I, I love the story behind it, the Greek mythology behind it. I love the idea of the labyrinth and the Minotaur being trapped in the labyrinth, the Minotaur not quite being human anymore because of a curse. Like, and I just love the idea of a giant bull man. I don't know. It's awesome. So there's been a few movies that have referenced it over the years in TV shows from like Xena, Warrior Princess and shit like that too, but it's, it's always been a very depressing story. Like, it's always the Minotaur is a tortured soul. And I think everybody understands that. Like, the idea and the presence of a Minotaur is not just some raging demon that enjoys the taste of and hurting people. But it's, uh, in a lot of ways, it's like Medusa. You know? Whereas Medusa is seen as this consummate figure of complete evil. But when you get down to the roots of some something like a Medusa... It's actually a curse. It's actually someone who was, dare I say, almost innocent before they were, you know, uh, tarnished with a curse that turned them into what Medusa is today. Uh, same thing with Pandora. Pandora's box. A lot of this revolves around Greek mythology. Um, but I know that there was also uh, in the Japanese mountains, um, there were curses there where they became the mountain because of their. Uh, love for oh my gosh I'm trying to go back in the time on this one but they had they had an a forbidden love and then they were cursed to be a mountain and they were cursed to exist for the rest of time so it's right, like, well you, usually in the eastern it's either you're in love with your sister or you're in love with the emperor's daughter or something or or wife something right, like that right correct yes but yeah uh, well the minotaur is definitely the precursor to Frankenstein it's it's it, it by no fault of its own it's 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 become forced to become a monster and and there's no way out except to kill to survive i mean you know just like poor the monster in frankenstein you know i mean basically he's being chased to the arctic circle all he wants to do is be left alone and freaking victor von frankenstein the, the keep keeps chasing him with you know doing the iditarod or whatever um medusa the I mean, the original myth of Medusa is, I mean, she was born that way. She, she's a Gorgon. She's, she's pre the Olympians. She, 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 the Gorgons either came at the same time as the Titans or, or maybe pre-Titan, like with, uh, like with Uranus and Rhea uh, may have given birth to, to Medusa. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, but yeah, I mean, the, the question is, if it's your nature, are you evil? Is a wolf evil? Is a shark evil? 
But yeah, uh, but yeah, but uh, to a certain extent, there's there's isolation and loneliness there. But Medusa had two sisters also. I can't remember uh, their, their names offhand because I wasn't prepared for Greek mythology at the Sorry. moment. Though I know enough to be dangerous off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, I mean, but if you want to go, if you want to go back to the Bible where it explains it, I mean, you know, in some of these books, again, non non canonical, you had Adam's first wife was Lilith who was, you know, formed from the same dirt as Adam, you know, not from his rib like Eve was, and she wouldn't submit to him. And she's like, dude, no. Uh, you, you, and Adam's like, God, she sucks. She won't submit to me. And God's like, all right, I'll, I'll make you a new one. And Lilith, I cast you out. And then she went from being a beautiful woman to being basically like a, like a harpy <laughs> kind of thing. And, and God sent three angels after her to catch her. And, like, she goes to them, hey, listen. We could do this all day. I'm like Captain America. I can fly as fast as you can fly. You can't catch me, you three losers. Um, <laughs> which, again, you know, sort of impeaches that the angels don't have any thoughts of their own. And she's like, here's what will happen. I will not do anything bad. Um, well, well, I skipped the... Like, she killed... She was killing babies. Like, you know, she sort of... You know, whether it's miscarriage or childbirth or whatever. She, you know, she was for that Lilu too in Sumerian and Babylon in Babylonian and there's there's a there's a cognate in, in Canaanite as well. So anyway, Lilith. Um so then she flies away these three she's like, listen, I listen, as long as people are protected by angels, here's these amulets. As long as people are protected by you three angels, I won't take their kids. And they're like, that seems like a square deal to us. Go ahead. So that's why you have a lot of women who wear those the, the, the three angel pendants around their neck, the charms, to, to protect them against you know bad um, pregnancies and bad results and, and SIDS and things like that. But to you know for every you know she would have a hundred children at a time, and and you know she made the chimera, she made the, the you know she made monsters all over the place, which is sort of like the Anunnaki myth, where through their experimentation to try to get to the perfect slave race, they created all manners of things that were abominations or couldn't be controlled, which is not that different from the Nephilim myth that, you know, some were the great heroes of renown, but some also were like monsters, giants, abominations. Um, and Leviathan is thought to maybe be one of those, uh, uh, you know. Uh, so, no, I don't think the dragons are descendants of Leviathan because the way Leviathan's actually described really isn't very dragon-like. It's it's, it's not. It, it, it it's a strange kind. Of, it, it it's maybe closer to the Hydra than. than uh, if you actually read the description of Leviathan, I mean, it's not like a blue whale, like people like to say, um, but it. it Hear that? That's the sound of a patient whose health data is protected from a cyber attack. And that, that's the sound of a financial system that's digitally secured from bad actors. Right now, there's an invisible war being fought on a digital battlefield that impacts what we do every day. That's why at Paraton, we do the can't be done to help protect the vital systems we rely on. Because if we don't, the alternative is unimaginable. Paraton. Hey, BJ's Wholesale Club is having their Black Friday deals. Amazing savings right now, hon. You gonna get me that new laptop I've been asking for? Well, I... Oh, don't tell me. I want to be surprised. How about that smartwatch with all the features? I mean... Wait! 
Forget I asked. Just go to BJ's. I don't want to know. New TV. Alrighty then. Stop! Are you trying to ruin my surprise? Save up to 50% during BJ's amazing Black Friday deals while supplies last. Thanksgiving Day through Cyber Monday. BJ's. Absurdly simple savings. It's it's not dragony. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think Leviathan has a lot more in common with the idea of hydras than anything. Yeah. All those sea serpents are a different breed, though, too, because, I mean, nobody thinks of dragons that swim. I, I think it's believed that even in media-based, you know, forms of, of explaining mythology, if dragons do anything with water and go underwater, it's more like a bird. It's more to catch fish or to catch something out of the water, and they go down and they come right back up like a lot of birds do. But I don't think I've ever seen a dragon that specifically swims that's still considered a dragon. Well, in, in China and, and in what we call the Far East, um, which is ridiculous far from what, but, um, you know, there are water dragons specifically. I mean, in Shangxi, we, there was a water dragon. Um, but snakes were, remember, the first twin of the first Indo-European myth, which is eight to 10,000 years old? Sure. Enwi was, was the twin, was the three-headed serpent, um, and lived in water. And water is associated with fertility and rain so right. you know you know so not you know not i mean the chaos comes from the famine and the drought and the floods uh, you know a lot i mean a lot of these you know more recent ancestors of ours dealt with floods constantly because the ice ages were were you know were receding and then there were also rains and whatever they it was were also considered water-based creatures not just because of so either um it's been proven that in ancient times when it rains, well, it still happens today. When it rains, worms come up to the top of the earth. And for a lot of ancient cultures, they thought worms were just baby snakes. So there was a lot of belief that snakes brought the rains. Snakes were attached to agriculture. Snakes fixed the earth, even though it was what we know today as being earthworms right. that come up. But back then, you know, knowledge was not as prevalent and there was no real... Uh, science that was going around trying to prove and disprove the biology of snakes versus worms, but yeah, that's what it was believed. Yeah, a lot of times your your heroes change to villains as the needs change when when cultures stop needing something so much. Like if, if if you were in a place that was arid, you needed the rain, so maybe you worship the, the, the snake longer. Um you know, but if you came to a place where it was by a river, you know, flooding was more your problem than, than needing the water. Um, so the snake, you know, and, and that's sort of what happened in our fertile crescent, you know, up up into the, you know, up into Europe, you know, and following the Danube. So, uh, you know, it's, some of it is just the, the, the stories are telling a tale of, you know, your life on the ground. Other stories are telling, trying to tell stories of the, the procession of the stars and and you just have to figure out what constellations uh or how they drew the constellations because they usually use the same constellations just they might have called you know what we call the bear they may have called it the pot or or, or something like that um but yeah that that's that that that's your dragons that's your serpents that's uh, uh, and and that even takes us a little bit into in, into Dracula, but uh, I don't know if you want to. What order you want to go in, Drew? This is this is your gig, bud. Well, I mean, I I do want to know about Dracula. I'm I'm fascinated by vampires and vampire culture. I know 
uh, the idea is that it did start from Vlad the Impaler. Um, but, you know, again, Jeff did his homework on this. So um, I'm interested to know where uh, that vampire culture did start, where it did originate from, if it did or didn't come from Vlad. So, uh, Jeff, go ahead and tell us. Okay. So this is probably going to be a little bit of a disappointment to people. Um, so first, sh- shameless plugs. I have two episodes of Garden of Doom on vampires. One is the lit- their history and literature, and one is just comparing myths of vampires from around the world. Both feature myself and See the Superior. Uh, you can find her on, on um, uh, YouTube. Uh, she produced one of those. Uh, I also did two other shows, which was called The vampire who is a, a gentleman now in new orleans who's basically considered the king of vampire in new orleans he goes by papa czar um uh, and also i uh have an interview with madam x which i think was called welcome to the night side or queen queen of the night side she's both a witch and a vampire so you can, you can sort of see how modern vampires construct themselves so dracula dracula sort of the idea of, of vampires as noble and sort of charming and intelligent and cunning and maybe, you know, in this demonic, in these, you know, in, in these cabals, that's new. Uh, that is that is a 19th century thing. There is, there is nothing older than... There, actually, an American wrote a book about called The Black Vampire, which is... And see the superior found it. And I've listened to a bunch of shows, much bigger shows than mine, with fancy schmancy people who haven't found this book. And then they they go to a poem called Camilla, um, which is also 19th century. Anyway, in in the in the Black Vampire, it was uh, uh, a slave who was killed by his master who came back to life, or somehow became a vampire. But he was, you know, he obviously got his revenge. But he was sort of like a you know, nobleman. Uh, Camilla was a, was a woman, almost like a Lilith, who was scorned and and you know drank blood and and you know, but was very much nobility. Uh, Dracula was just sort of Bram Stoker's invention. He borrowed from Camilla, turned it into a man uh, during the you know Black Plague and feudalism and landholders. I mean, you could see how the metaphor for the rich sucking the blood out of the commoners and being served by, you know, un- the underclass, the, the lowest of the low, the, 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 the gypsies at that time in that part of the world, you know, the familiars, the, the insane like Renfield, um, you know, just for the promise of immortality or being close to, close to you, you know, your earthbound version of God. That, that, that's all new. That's like the last 200 years. Prior to that, there's lots of myths and creatures from everywhere, that if you want to call them vampiric, you can. But if you want to call them witches, you can. If you want to call them zombies, you can. If you want to call them revenants, you can. And revenants are basically like zombies, but closer to the white walkers than than the mindless zombies in you know Walking Dead or Day, Dawn of the Dead, Night of the Living Dead. Um, sort of like... The, you know they they have a purpose and some and some have intelligence like so like in like in Game of Thrones you had the the masses they they knew what they were and they had thoughts but then but they followed their their leaders and you know their ring wraith like leaders and then there was the one the the, the king uh, you know and they obviously had 
thoughts and smarts and uh so some are revenants and zombies some can be called shapeshifters which really is closer to a witch thing or even a werewolf thing so let me, let me ask you this real quick because yeah. I, I i know you're going down in your diatribe but you hit on something that i really wanted to kind of throw in there from what i understand Go ahead, um with zombies like the original idea of where zombies came from was a misunderstanding of death so when the body decomposes it expands it it contorts it distorts and back then they thought that this was the bodies coming back to life um and specifically around greek mythology because the term nosferatu means disease bearer and there was a lot of correlation or at least believed correlation between that even though the stories don't completely line up with the Greek interpretation of what zombies were and where vampires may have come from. So the idea was that zombies were the bodies because back then they didn't bury bodies, right? Drew, they just threw mm-hmm. them out on the fucking lawn. If Shit. you dropped dead, that's where you were left. They didn't have an understanding of keeping things clean. And even though there were certain funeral rites uh, for people that had passed for the most part, uh, 90% of the, the population didn't have the clout to have those kind of ceremonies. So people were just left out in the open and the sun and the fucking the, the moisture from the water and the ocean air and everything else like that made a lot of the bodies bloat. However, that wasn't the case for all bodies. So if people died in caves, which a lot of people were living in caves and, and these like kind of sectioned off areas, the bodies didn't bloat. And they believed that those bodies were almost uh, vampiric, that they were still alive because their bodies didn't contort in the same way, as, or at least not as quickly as the ones that were out in the ocean air did. So I thought that th- from what I understood over the years was that this might have been the origination of where the idea of vampires versus zombies came from, which was just a complete misunderstanding from Greek people uh, as to what happens to the body after death. That's part of it. I mean, there's a, actually the first known burial was seventy-two thousand years ago. So we've been we've been mostly burying for a long time. And not all cultures. I mean, a lot of cultures left the bodies out for like the birds to take them to the afterlife and things like that. They take them to a high place. Yeah, they put um, them in the fucking water and just kick the boat. Like that too. So, you know, so the, the, the fires, the fires. You know, somehow returning it to the earth or what have you. But leprosy is also very much associated with zombieism so is rigor mortis sure so pretty much any excuse but also like when people i mean people fell into comas then like they do now but since you thought they were dead or basically dead and you left them alone they would get terrible bed sores and you come back and you know one entire side of their body would be black and purple and and no skin on it you know and probably insects and maggots and whatever feeding on them and then they're getting up and going and you know they probably can't speak anymore and they're like you know so there's there's a there's a lot of that too um but zombies you know eat flesh which includes drinking blood lilith she you know drank the blood of babies so don't forget lilith the mother of monsters rejected by adam and cast out by god you know feeds into this you know demon thing you know she's really the first demon maybe the the the, the consort of the devil often called which goes back to our you know QAnon uh, stuff that's going on now and not just in america um but there's there's lots of there's from all over there's like there's like insects that suck blood in in africa the ads like spelt the same way well we spelt the same way as the tool the ads um and you know it it 
has large fangs and su- sucks blood. I mean, you know, maybe it was to explain malaria and, and mosquitoes and, and, you know, warn kids uh, of those kinds of dangers. I mean, there's myths of, you know, there's the umpirs and the, the strigoi in, in, um, uh, Eastern Europe, uh, into into Russia, uh, and into Siberia, the steppe. Uh, but I mean, they're all over the place. But they, none of them, if you read about them, none of them are really like the vampire, like you're thinking about, like Dracula or Blade or Underworld or whatever. That's all. The, the, this is all a very new, romanticized, modern construct of what the the vampire is. Um, so uh, even one of the words for vampires in Greek is basically the same as the Greek word for werewolf. It's like vera locos, something like that, or vera lycos, where, I mean, you can you can hear vera, where, lycos, lichens, you've heard lycanthropes, you know, uh, which, you know, shapeshifters. Um, so, uh, you know, so there it is. There's the, there's there's your vampires. But if you want more on that, shameless plugs for listening to the two vampire shows on the history of vampires. Uh, and if you want to hear, you know, what modern vampires have to say about their lifestyles now, which is interesting in a different way, I commend you to those shows. I think both of them dropped in, during October for Halloween month. The the, the modern day vampires. The other ones might are older. I mean, one of them is probably a year ago. Uh, before we get to the next topic, Mish, I uh, was going to ask you, because you had mentioned how, you know, back in the day, they would just throw bodies out, like on the street, on, on your on your, on your your yard, pretty much. Yeah, like I was if you a little well, no, grandiose with it. But, well, no, yeah. well, well, no, I know that, um, but, like, where did the idea, if you know, of, you know, burying people come from? Oh, no, no. Uh, Jeff might know better than this. I, I didn't even know that we buried bodies that late. I imagine that... I think it probably came from the same birth as creating things like aqueducts. They realized that there were diseases. They realized that, you know, there were problems with leaving the bodies out. See, religion overall wasn't just a way to answer for death, which in reality, that's the the point of all religion uh, is to answer death and to answer where we came from. But at the same time, it was also a way to get people to kind of take care of themselves, do better for themselves once upon a time, science and religion were completely intertwined. You know, I would assume that the idea for burying bodies came from wanting to be clean and cleanliness is next to godliness, et cetera, et cetera. I I think it comes from that same vein of not only is there a ceremony and almost like a reverence for the dead, which is something that is held in high regard with a lot of religions, but at the same time, it kept people from getting sick. I mean, gosh, I was just discussing this with somebody else the other day during the Black Plague. I actually was talking, uh, I think it was with the the missus and her kiddos and stuff, um, that during the Black Plague, people wanted to kill all the cats because they thought that cats were the ones spreading the actual plague, when in fact it was the rats and the mice that the cats were killing that were spreading the plague. And even at that time, because of our just misunderstanding of things, it was widely determined that rats came from dirty clothes and garbage. They didn't believe that they procreated. They believed that they literally sprang from piles of dirty clothes and garbage. Wow. So that is what created a lot of people trying to keep the place clean. I mean, obviously you can go into the masks and everything else like that, but the, the plague doctors and whatnot. But the reality is, is it was our misunderstanding of the situation 
that literally got us to kill the animals that were trying to protect our asses. And so the Black Plague destroyed. Uh, it's it's a dark spot in history, you know. Jesus Christ. Um, yeah. The, the first kind of worship is was ancestor worship, um, which may or may not be related to the real first kind of worship, which would have been, you know, animism, meaning everything is life and spirit, you know, the stars, sun, the, the ground, everything. But the, the first burials, I mean, I'm not sure what the chicken or the egg is. Part of it is exactly what Mitch said, is it, 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 it caused disease. You don't want to be the disease, you know, the, the disease to spread. And, you know, it, you know the, it was only a couple hundred years ago that some guy, by accident, realized that if you washed your hands, you had like 80% higher chance of successful childbirth than if you didn't wash your hands between deliveries. Um, we still so, had leopard colonies in the 1900s, guys. Absolutely. I didn't think of it like that. It was well, not to bring up the same sounding word again, but a different word. The island of Molokai was a was a leper colony um, in Hawaii. Um, but you know, not just the the disease spreading, but it also brought bugs to your area, which which was not fun for you. Which also spread disease. They certainly knew that bug bites could be associated with disease. But you also brought scavengers and animals, and you bring. I mean, so. You're seeing your ancestors being torn apart by coyotes, wolves, foxes, crows, ravens, vultures, whatever it is. So, I mean, you you want to hide them? Doesn't work in the cave because there's cave dwellers. It does, you know. I, I guess if you weren't if you weren't near deep water, uh, or if you weren't a water faring people, the easiest thing is is to bury them in some way. Now, others took the opposite approach. They would carry them up to, you know, the plateaus of a high or a high hill or whatever and let the the birds take them away. I mean, First Nations peoples were still doing that 150 years ago. Um, Maybe still are to a certain extent. Um, But, yeah, I mean, that's part of what it was. And then ancestor worship became a big part of things, that your ancestors were always with you and... You know, and it, you can tie it into the social contract of respect your elders and how we just naturally really don't want nihilism and anarchy. We we need some sort of order because if we don't, then you know we we are weaker than the wolves. If we're you know divided, we're strong. We're you know united. We can fend off the wolves and the saber tooth cats and the big bears and whatever it is. But yeah, uh, probably lots of reasons for it. But yeah, the, the, the burials go back to, you know, the, the oldest burial that's known of is in East Africa and is uh, 72,000 years old. And they know it was a burial because they were, it was a, it, it was a baby and they, it was put into the fetal position and they put like blankets and some of its, toys or things with it so it was you know so there was definitely a concept of life isn't over you're you're you know there is some sort of afterlife and take things with you um so we were probably doing burials way earlier than that and um you know uh, i I don't know when you started putting things into graves but you can imagine that that a distraught mother you know at some point the culture I mean, yeah. just to throw it out there, I mean, you're talking about the disease and stuff, but they understood not not just the physical ramifications of having dead bodies around with animals and insects and disease and everything else like that, but you, you kind of touched on it, the, the emotional side of it. Humans are still an emotional creature from the very beginning to now, even though our emotions have completely evolved from what we were, but 
seeing your family torn apart, especially children, even after they were dead, that had to be devastating to watch. So, yeah, I imagine that's where a lot of these rituals and stuff kind of came from. And then they attached it to gods and may the gods keep my my child safe after they've gone to the next plane. And it, it's almost like the evolution of religion in itself. So religion and all these gods and demons and everything else like that were ways to kind of curtail humanity into being the best version of humanity that they could be. Now, when you look at religion, there's so many different kind of slights and, and interpretations. And some of the interpretations are just purely uh, violent and evil in some cases, but I imagine initially a lot of it was just to kind of try and keep everybody sane in a world that they had no understanding of, Drew. Yeah, I, I think there's part of it. And don't forget the people were hunter-gatherers then, but, you know, it's not like they were always on the move. I mean, they did, they did stay in places sort of until they ran out of the resources and had to go somewhere else. So, I mean, they were, you know, having, you know, 150-pound, you know, dead corpses nearby is you know, not attractive to anyone. And then having, you know, uh, you know, uh, a pile of, you know, 18 dead corpses, you know, uh, half a mile away isn't particularly attractive either. So, yeah, uh, you know, some sort of getting rid of them, you know, it, it was much, you know, you know, and then, and then to think that the, you know, the, the, the bird that you shot, shot down and you're eating your ancestor, you know, had, had to, factor into it you know if you were eating vulture or fox for lunch you know the next day you, you, that that oh, fox vulture probably dined on your on your dad you know <laughs> cannibalism was was wild too because i mean I, and i only know cannibalism from well i mean i don't know cannibalism but i mean the stories that i've read about can, cannibalism being the most prominent were in south america with the incans and the mayans and the aztecs uh, and obviously in parts of Mexico and Central America as well. But they did it because they ate other people, not because they had a shortage of food, quite the opposite. They believed that they would gain the powers and the strengths of the families that, or the ancestors of that warrior that they defeated. So like, so uh, when was... like Wendigos? Sorry about that, but yeah, like right. Wendigos? No, right. And that's almost like a form of vampirism, too, when you come down to it. Because they did it not because they were looking to, you know, create brethren underneath the, the, the movie, the Hollywood cinema version of a vampire. But they really thought that all of the powers, all of the gifts that this person had that they defeated are now theirs if they ingest parts of their body. And I know for a fact that there are still tribes... Uh, indigenous tribes that still do cannibalism, uh, I, I guess not as graphically as they used to, where they would just eat bodies and bodies and bodies. But I think that um, from what I understand is even in South America, there are still tribes that when their elders pass, they will have like a piece of them. So they'll take like a piece of ear oh. or they'll take a piece of spleen or something like that and try to adjust them, believing that all of the existence of their previous genetics, I guess is a nice way to put it, uh, their their DNA and their genetic history will now be absorbed into their own body. Don't forget, everybody that's that's in South America from you know from before five hundred years ago, either either came from Central Asia and East Asia into the over the land bridge in Berengia, or or they somehow sailed across from 
you know, Oceania and what was then Sunderland, and and some people think Lemuria was a was a continent that was larger. But anyway, the, there were there was a lot more solid land and a, and a lot more islands between here and there. The oceans were four hundred feet lower than they than they are now. Um, uh, you know, uh, twelve thousand years ago or so. Um, so, you know, they brought with them. You know, uh, you know, from from the Asian, Southeast Asian, Polynesian. I mean, the word cannibal is is, is I think Malaysian or Indonesian. Um, it, it, it comes from that part of the world. Um, but yeah, but I mean, Kronos ate ate his kids. I mean, the, the Titan ate his kids. So the, the, this is uh, we still uh, do it. Actually, Joey just brought it up. He's like, oh, just ate his kids. Making a joke. He's saying, I'm down to eat some placenta capsules. You know, them shits got you strong. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, yeah, it wasn't that long ago. I remember France. In France, they would actually serve. They would have these top star Michelin chefs serve you placenta. So you could prepare. You can uh, basically give them a placenta or or they have a placenta. I'm not sure the actual how they get them. And I think it's like $400 or $500 a plate even back then. So it was a crazy amount of money. But just the idea, and even though we know placenta is there for the mother, it's order to repl- uh, replenish her nutrients and stuff like that. I mean, even to this day, you can have hoity-toity society still serving human flesh, parts of a human body to another person. So it's Jeez. not even like it's a dead idea. It's still kind of current and almost accepted depending on what part of the world you're in. If this food crisis and the, the droughts continue... I guarantee that in about a year or so we hear a story from someplace in, you know, Sudan or Chad or, you know, on the Mongolian, you know, Gobi Desert or whatever that, you know, the, the, you know someplace that hasn't been able to get any grain, you know, for, for six months, that the, 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 the cannibalism makes a comeback in some places. I mean, meat is meat. It, it, there is something to the fact, though, that, that eating human flesh is not healthy for humans like physically like it's like the it's like it's like too much of the same kind of microbes and whatever it'll, it'll make you make you sick but right. getting sick is better than dying i guess starving i guess you know i mean you only i mean you only hear that kind of running joke with like hoity-toity rich people like you know mish said is that you know a lot of these like dark societies you hear about celebrities you know the illuminati eating flesh eating you know the blood of the or not eating but drinking the blood of the innocent and it's just let me let me, let me tell you something crazy thing about i know a lot of rich people okay i am not rich but i know a lot of rich people but i but <laughs> yeah. but by your definition 10 years ago i was rich by my definition 10 years ago i wasn't i knew fabulously rich people i'd never heard any of them talking about well, I, said, blood. <laughs> I said joke i said it was a running joke <laughs> yes, yes. you know i mean I, but i i want you to know just how how close i am to to this i mean literally the house i grew up in okay that my parents only sold like maybe three years ago okay on my right was george ross if you don't know who george ross is watch like the first eight seasons of the apprentice he's the old man that sits to to donald's right he was his he was his out, outside lawyer who became his inside lawyer for real estate. Um, his name is George Ross. I've I've known him what by fifty four now, so I've known him forty x years. Um, on my left is a family I won't give you their name, but their son, who I know since he was born, uh, because he's younger than me. He is the, let's just say 
husband because they're legally divorced for legal reasons. He's also currently in federal prison for real estate fraud, and he was a cooperating witness in the Mueller investigation. He is Paul Manafort's son-in-law. He's married to Paul Manafort's daughter. So I am very close to this part of it, and I've never heard any of them, anyone speak about Illuminati or blood drinking or pizza places in Georgia. Democrats drinking blood. And if I was going to hear it, I think I would have heard it from either side next door. Let me me throw this out here to piggyback off of what we were saying just a second ago about the placenta. Um, Apparently, it's not even in France, it is legal in California to eat placenta. Now, there are Stanford University professors that, uh, like John Gosling, that said uh, eating a placenta is part of the infant, no question. It's disregard. It's discarded after birth, but it is still human, and therefore he considers it cannibalism. But according to the laws of the California Penal Code, it is not considered cannibalism. Eating placenta is perfectly legal. So well, if you're I'm really weird. hungry and you want to try something new, head on over to California. <laughs> Yummy. Well, there's, there's also a lot of things. It, well, a- I mean, and a diet you know, coke. Oh, diet coke, yes. But what's what's in there is stem cells. I mean, that, that that's like as a matter. Right. Okay, so I I have a book. It will never be finished because I have no beginning. I, I mean, I have no middle. I have a beginning, and my beginning gets ever longer. I, and you would think that means that the middle is getting longer, but no. I have an end, which is short. But I have absolutely zero middle. I I, I have no I have no concept what to do with the middle, but. It's basically shit we've been talking about. Basically, Cain was the second vampire. His mother, Lilith, was the first. And she's basically a mutant. And basically, their stem cells always, you know, never matures. That they always have stem cells. Can I ask you the connection to that? Because I've always been curious. And I think a lot of people understand that Cain is considered the child of Lilith. But Cain and Abel were brothers. Now... Is that only brothers by the interpretation of it? Because Abel was Eve's child. So how does that work? How did that work in the Bible? I don't even understand the, the connection between the two. It would be like if Drew Yari had a baby with Lena Vega, and then Drew Yari had a baby with uh, uh, Eve Lopez, or uh, Electra Lopez. No comment. And then they called them both... Um, Alexa. Um, <laughs> uh, my stupid monitor, I'm sorry. And then they were both considered brothers as opposed to individual children based upon those mothers. Well, firstly, all hail Drew Yari, because nice pulls, man. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Um, and you know about me and the Latinas, so, you know, I mean, double respect over here. Um, okay. There is no major religion that subscribes to that Cain was not the child of Adam and Eve. This all goes back to non-canonical books where Lilith was the first wife, um, and it is the Masonic legend that Adam had a child with Lilith, and that child was Cain. And from Cain comes the Twelve. There you go. So you have Cain and the Twelve. So there's 13. There's your magic number 13. There's your magic number 12. But if you listen to Donovan at Atlantis, you'll hear what the Twelve are. The poet, the the, the artist, the musician, the the, uh, the smith, 
you know, the mathematician, everything that was useful, the, the doctor, the physician, all, all of that, all of that came from Cain, uh, who came from Lilith, who, who was on the left hand, who, who came from Lucifer, who was on the left hand of God. Okay, so that is the Masonic legend. So I don't know much about Masons or the Grand Masons or the Freemasons. I don't even think it's real because everyone who claims to be a Mason says they can't tell you anything. So I'm really, you know, I'm really sure it's mostly bullshit. And some actual experts I've talked to will tell you the Masons didn't even exist until, you know, a few hundred years ago. But then if you listen to other people say, yeah, because that's because they were the Rosicrucians for a hundred years. And before that, they were the, they were the Hermetical Society. And before that, they were the Templars and the Templars turned into the Cathars. So, I mean, you know, the, the thing about conspiracy theories is no matter how many answers you have, they can always pivot, and you cannot disprove anything. They say, anyway, that that that's the that's the Masonic legend, and that's their version of Christianity. Is that Cain came from Lilith? Lilith was evil. She did not submit to man. She did not submit to Adam. Uh, she's the mother of monsters, and Cain was the first monster, but he was the perfect monster because he looked like a human. And and from Cain came. Cain was basically the Watchers. Cain was basically the Eternals in the movie. Cain would introduce the Plow to people. Cain was Toth the Atlantean, you know, or, or Hermes or, or Quetzalcoatl coming and teaching the people from the lands. You know, every land has sea. a legend where somebody comes from the sea or the stars to teach them these skills. Osiris did that. Uh, I had a completely different different understanding of Cain and Lilith. And just to quietly throw this out here real quick, just to piggyback off of it, Lilith was indeed Adam's first wife, but Lilith wasn't inherently evil. She was evil to Adam and to God only because she chose not to listen to them and kind of marched to her own drummer. The problem with Lilith was that she was made equal to Adam in every way, in thought, in physical uh, prowess, everything. She was literally the female version of man. That's why Eve was created to be subservient, to be dominated. And right. in the birth of Cain, in this case, Cain wasn't evil. Cain didn't have Lilith's qualities of, of being evil. But when compared to Abel, Cain was more dominant. And when Cain killed Abel and lied to God, it was when he supposedly put the mark of upon Cain that he became that first version of the immortal, the very first vampire or Methuselah or whatever you wanted to call him. It was because of God, not because of Lilith, that Cain became that way. That's just, oh. once again, my, from what I've understood over the years, I'm sure you're a lot closer to what, you know, the actual religions and theology say, Jeff. Well, I might be, but you, that story you just told exists. So there is that there is that version, and that version is closer to the the religions. Except no Lilith, no Lilith was about this was just Cain exercising free will of being greedy. I mean, you have to remember the, the the whole the whole beginning of humanity is basically humans disappointing God. Uh, time and time out, so much that he had to do, have a flood and destroy everyone, and and only preserve, you know, some of the kids, you know, Noah's family, and and if you read the book of Enoch, 
Lamech, who was Noah's father, looked at Noah and he didn't look like a human baby. That, that he's like, that's not, that is not my son. So hear that? That's the sound of a patient whose health data is protected from a cyber attack. And that, that's the sound of a financial system that's digitally secured from bad actors. Right now, there's an invisible war being fought on a digital battlefield that impacts what we do every day. That's why at Paraton, we do the can't be done to help protect the vital systems we rely on. Because if we don't, the alternative is unimaginable. Paraton. Dan, so glad we were able to meet today. Thanks for coming over. Whoa, what's that? Pretty awesome, right? It's my new FlexiSpot E7 Pro Plus standing desk. Goes from sitting to standing with the push of a button. You know, I've been thinking about getting a desk like that. I have back pain from being in a chair all day, but I feel like they're either cheap and flimsy or crazy expensive. That's why I went with FlexiSpot. This desk is super sturdy, but totally affordable. The base is made of automotive grade carbon steel. Sit on it. Okay. Hey, this is cool. All right, I want in on one of these. Where do I find FlexiSpot? Just go to their website, FlexiSpot.com. And go right now because they're giving an extra $80 off their already low prices. Go to FlexiSpot.com and use code 80OFF to get an extra $80 off the E7 Pro Plus standing desk. Backed by an industry-leading 15-year warranty. Don't wait. This special offer will not last long. Go to FlexiSpot.com and use code 80OFF. That's F-L-E-X-I-S-P-O-T.com. Go to FlexiSpot.com now. So again, he's Nephilim. He's one of these houses, you know, that, that flo even flows into that. And then there was the Tower of Babel, where you know, he had to destroy again. And Sodom and Gomorrah, he had to destroy humans again. Jericho had to destroy <laughs> the Canaanites again. You know, he's, he's busy. by the time you get to his rallies, the Israelites, he, they're, they're letting him town time and time again. And he's got he's to <laughs> teach them lesson after lesson after lesson. So, I mean... You know, the, 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 the you didn't really need the mark of Cain. That sort of came later. The the mark was more. It was more. It wasn't a physical mark in the religions. It was, it was he was banished. He was banished to the land of Nod. Again, what kind of land has a name where there's no other people? Where there's goat herders, and who's herding these goats? The foxes? I don't know. But anyway, um, but this is the, what I'm telling you is is the Masonic legend, which is their version, which again you cannot disprove. And there are books that support it. There are there are books out there. But it may be that whoever started the Smith is the person who wrote that book. I mean, it could very well be that. that Right now, there's a book I'm, I'm reading called, called The Fall Bonnie by Neil Stevenson, who's a great author. But basically, if you read it, you could you could say this is this is how you create the the matrix and and the universe is repeating themselves. And in, in ten thousand years, if someone found this but no other book, they might think that that's a holy book. Um, mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, some guy might have written it one day and said this is the way. And it sounds ridiculous, except when we know that there's dozens of cults right now where somebody says, this is the way, and they get hundreds, if not thousands of people to follow them. I mean, Jarrett Leto right now has a little cult. So, um, <laughs> so I mean, he does, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we saw Heaven's Gate. I mean, that, that's not, you know, every few years there's a new apocalypse, and every few years they say, well, this is why the apocalypse didn't happen, but it's coming in eight more years. Um, I mean, there's there's the... There's the people that I keep saying QAnon, but it actually QAnon jumped onto things that existed before QAnon. Did he just subscribe to the ideas and made them more widespread? But they're, they're, they point to something that the Dalai Lama said in 1890. He said that you're going to have 50 years of war. So 1890 to 1940. 
lot, lot of war there, right? Then he says 70 years of peace, and then he says they'll, they'll, then there'll be 18 years of continuous war, and that brings us to 2028, which is why you hear about 2029 and 2030 being end of times. However, if you look at 1940 to 2010, wh- where are those 70 years of peace? I mean... You, you tell me. I mean, World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and these are only ones that the U.S. is involved with. Panama. I mean, uh, you, you, I mean, you, you you had wars all through Africa and South America, revolutions, Cuba, Angola, Cuban troops being deployed by the Soviet Union, civil wars in in Soviet bloc countries. It was the, it was not a time of peace. Pol Pot, Mao. Oh. <laughs> I mean, the, 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 the Red March, I mean, they, 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 this, this was not 70 years of peace, but, but they go 70 years of peace, and then they jump right to 2010, 18 years of war. It's like, well, Iraq and Afghanistan, I mean, it's all based on what the U.S. is doing. So, I mean, yeah, were there 18 years of continuous war? I would argue there's probably never been a time where there wasn't 18 years of continuous war. I mean, that's why the Pax Romana is... is you know, so romanticized, but there was, but there there was still wars just on the on the borders, just not within you know their you know the the, the seven hundred mile radius of, of or two hundred mile radius of of the home city. Um, hmm. So anyway, so you can you know the point is doctrines can believe whatever they want, and and it's hard to get them off of those perches. But yeah, Cain can be lots of things. But anyway, my book was that the the thing was that Lilith's mutation was that. Her stem cells stayed forever. It's like her, her blood never matured, and Cain inherited that. But and, and you know, and, and that was a, a rare mutation. And they they helped the the humans defeat the, the giants. Also, why isn't that also why we're all technically children of Abraham? I mean, well, that same idea. I I don't know. I, I'm just correlating this now with the way you're describing Lilith's genes. Well, yeah, because Abraham is a direct descendant of. I mean, so all right. So Adam and Eve, when Abel was killed, came on his own way. God replaced Abel with Seth. Seth had children, led down to Noah. Noah had children, and they repopulated the earth. So you had Ham went to Africa. The Hamites. You had a different Cain, the Canaanites. Um, I, I can't remember how many children he had, but the, you know, obviously the boys are the one that matters. And Abraham was a direct descendant, obviously, because Noah was the only man. So, so yeah, I mean, you're, they're all descendants of Adam, and Abraham is there. From Abraham came Jacob, and from Jacob came the, his 12 sons, the 12 tribes of Israel. Um, and so, yeah, we're all children of Abraham, if you believe that. We're all children of Noah, if you believe that. We're all children of Adam, if you believe that, I mean, to be anything other than that would would mean you you don't believe that religion, or you believe that Cain found a way to, uh, you know, uh, create life, other human life, uh, unilaterally, like became one of those frogs that can give give birth without any fornication, um, which which may also be a reptilian <laughs> idea. So. Um, yeah. So, but I mean, I think Abraham is just—it's—it's a, it's a polite way of saying Abrahamic religions, without trying to say Christianity. Because usually, people who use the word Abrahamic religions, they're talking about Christianity. I mean, they're sort of ignoring Judaism and Islam, but they're politely including—they're making it inclusive without making it exclusive at the same time. It's, okay. It, it's sort of code. Um, no, no, I like that because I mean, that's—I've been hearing that ever since I was a kid. 
is that you know we're all children of Abraham, and it's yeah. well, people I, I like the, the idea that it's not necessarily put into a factual sense that there's a point zero 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 one percent of me that is related to direct of Abraham, more as it is an explanation of it being a, a religious connection. Yeah, yeah well, I mean, we're, we know that, or we we science has said, and science can be wrong. We all know that, but. Science has said that they found a mitochondrial Eve from 200,000 years ago that all of us have DNA from this remains of a female found in Africa. I, it's either East Africa or West Africa, sort of like just above the or just below, just above the Saharan line. Of course, the Sahara was different back then. Um, but anyway, there, there, you know, there's a mitochondrial. Like if you Google mitochondrial Eve, you'll you'll find it. Uh, it's it's pretty well established. Then again, 500 years ago in Europe, we thought the Earth was flat, even though the rest of the world knew it wasn't. Um, so yeah, you you can go in a lot of di- different directions, which is why there's so many different religions. Which is why Christianity has thirty thousand different sects and denominations. Wow. 30,000. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, the, the Muslims have more than we know, but there's basically two big ones. You know, there's, there's sort of the mystics, the Sufism, but there's basically Shia and, and Sunni. Uh, and the interesting thing is they flip-flop geographically at, at, at the grandchildren of, of Muhammad's generation. Um, but, uh, you know, Judaism has the, the three major ones, Reform, Conservative, Orthodox, but you also have Hasidic and you have, and, and you, have you know, sort of different levels there as well but i mean christianity has somewhere between 30 and thirty-five thousand different de- denominations it also d- depends how you define christian i mean christians don't consider the mormons christian but the mormons can consider themselves christian so it's you know it's it's a little cray cray out there i mean it it, it it can give you a headache it can also be marvelous and it can also be constant fodder for a show called the garden of doom um but, uh, yeah, so monsters, right? So, Drew, what are we up to? <laughs> Jesus Christ. We might have to finish this on another show, uh, but uh, let, let's shoot. Let's try to do, like, two more. Um, uh, the Dibbuk, the Dibbuk, who, uh, if that name sounds familiar to most people, um, it's, uh, I might be getting it wrong, so, Jeff, correct me, because you did your homework, but um, it is a, it's a demon in a Hebrew culture that um, um canaanite which is the same part of the world but pre-hebrew um so cain we were talking about noah's kids one was cain another different cain obviously but the canaanites so they they populated the the what we call the levant now the levantine area which is basically the southern part of turkey probably just past moab before you get to like what's now Iraq to the middle of Jordan um, and about, you know, down through Israel, Palestine, whatever you want to call it, uh, you know, and, and to the Red Sea, you know, so not Egypt, that that's, and that was Canaan. And that's, that's so Debuk is a Canaanite. Basically Debuk is a male version of the main myth of Lim, uh, of Lilith, except you know, not not this first wife or first spouse of Athens. It's just a demon. It's a demon that is a malicious possessing spirit. Maybe Nephilim. You hear that a lot. You know the same kind of thing. And it it is the soul of a dead person, but it 
particularly those after children. So again, sort of like Lilith, the child stealer. You know, there was a Lilith. You know, steals the children that aren't protected by the amulets of those three angels. I wish I could remember their names, but apparently, it's still like the best-selling amulet in the world. Like that, and the evil eye are like are like one and two, um, maybe even above a crucifix. Um, but that that's that's new book. Is Canaanite? We'll keep it simple. Um, he is in Jewish mythology, but Jewish mythology and Canaanite mythology. I mean. Where you can separate the two, I mean, listen, I'm part Jewish, but but they tell you that the Jews will have you believe that they were Jews for 5,783 years. That, that That's when 5,783 years and, and about a month and a half ago, God said the words, let there be light. That's, that's what Rosh Hashanah is. Um, then they'll also tell you that, that the Judaism started with the with where, where Jacob was going to sacrifice his child. I mean, Abraham was going to sacrifice Jacob, Jacob as God told him to, and God said, "No, no, no! I was I was just testing you, but now we have a deal with with all of your descendants. So I have a covenant with your people that that's the birth of Judaism. It really isn't. The Jews were pagans. Um, the people of Israel or the, the twelve tribes, whatever you want to say, it, Canaanites. They called themselves Canaanites they, in, until after Moses led the Exodus, or whoever led the Exodus. I've spoken to someone who said there was actually two Exoduses out of Egypt. Anyway, um, that's Canaanite. So Hebrew, Jewish, and Canaanite are largely the same thing, but Canaan, the Canaanite mythology is great. You have these scary... You have you have your Lilithu, Lilith, the harpy. You have Baal, the giant goat, the, the big black goat, who's the fertility, but also hated castration, and... Anyone who was infertile was his enemy, and but he was also the god of rain, and and which is also fertility. But so Dubuk, yeah, Hebrew, Canaanite, whatever, you, whatever you want to call it, it's it's really a time too old to 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 limit it to one particular people because the peoples were really named by the cities that they were associated with. Um, so you have like like if you read the Bible, you'll you'll see like you know you know millions of different. Hey guys, I gotta go. I gotta guest. All right. See you. All right, Mitch. So, appreciate you. Yeah. Appreciate it, man. All right, bye. Birthday. You know, the, the Anamites, the the Aksumites, the the Moabites, you know, the Syrians, the Hittites, the Israelites, the Hebrews, the you know. So anyway, that that's that's the book. But simply, the book is a male demon who who inhabits and takes over the souls of children. Basically, makes children naughty and ultimately kills them. Yeah, sounds about right. All right, we got. I'm trying to keep it short for you, but yeah, but uh, so yes. All right, we got about four more. Um, since we're on the topic of, I guess, uh, demon children things, uh, Bagul, uh, which is from the, which is from well, where I got the idea. Well, not the idea, but like I saw that on the movie Sinister. Um, which anyone seen Sinister? Good movie, good horror movie. Um, tell me what you were able to find about Bagul, and if Bagul was even or was even a thing, or what it originated from. Yeah, I mean, I, I figured that your questions came from movies, and that's cool. Um, Bagul is a thing. Um, Bagul is Babylonian. So Babylon, Babylon is sort of Iraq, uh, parts of Iraq, but it went into what's now Syria, probably parts of Iran. The Babylon culture came after the Sumerians. There's some overlap, but before the Persians and the Parthians and the and the Chaldeans. Anyway, Bagul is is a Babylonian uh, creature, and Babylon's it's basically an incubus. 
basically a male spirit who comes in to a body to to have sex and procreate with a woman. So, so like it's so like bad things. Uh, well, succubus is the female version of of the incubus, right? So yeah, but it's a it's it's a male uh, that that you know have has sex and then you can have you get human children you can um you know uh you, you can be possessed it's got very it's actually it's got a lot of similarities with moloch the moloch that, that mitch was po- talking about early who's a pagan deity that was venerated by the canaanites and the Ammon, ammonites again cities places canaan ammon was a city um and basically, you know, Moloch and Bagul, Middle Eastern god that requires children sacrificed uh, by burning, oftentimes. Um, but uh, you know, so, some have called Bagul the brother of Moloch, uh, but I, I don't. I mean, I think they may be cognates; they may be the same creature with different names, the same entity. Um, but yeah, it basically requires child sacrifice, but also can go into your body and you know basically it's probably an excuse for men doing what they wanted with women (laughs) uh just another excuse to be an asshole pretty much um i mean the thing is is i I never got to it earlier because you know this mish was pointing out correctly that a lot of this stuff is about lilith was you know not evil she just was not submissive to adam she was equal that was considered evil by the people who are making those decisions. There's a reason most of the major religions, the big three, especially in their orthodoxy, are patriarchal. Like women can't even be in the same room to worship. It has to be dividing walls. They have to they have to hide themselves and cover themselves. It, it's patriarchal. So the woman not being submissive to man is evil, and some of that exists today and it and it's sort of burrowed into our dna because it's been you know it's been it's it's been part of it i mean close your eyes and say priest or rabbi you're going to think of a man Hmm. i I didn't even think about that it's pretty nuts um we kind of talked about like satan lucifer so we can kind of forget even bit the apple you know, Eve took the temptation from the serpent, who was never called Satan until much, much longer, much, much later. Well, yeah, because like I, do you, is it, do you know about a website? It's called Ranker. No, it's basically like one of those like random like websites where it's like you know look at the top ten blah blah blah. Um, there's an interesting portion on this website where like it, it'll tell you about like the history of the devil Lucifer, and it tells you like the differences between those names like they're not all the same person like you just said like satan's different the devil's different lucifer's different you know beelzebub mephistopheles is different you know there's other you know different uh names and they all serve different you know purposes in hell so that's i mean i don't know if you've done that i don't know if you've done that on your show yet but you should probably cover that that'd be pretty cool um, I, I'm sure that I have done, I mean, I, I've done shows on Lucifer. I've done shows on the, the, I've done shows on different, uh, angels and demons. I haven't done deep dives into any other than, than Lucifer. And even then it sort of got, uh, it, it's, it's, it's sort of 
Yeah, well, get sidetracked. That's that's what I do in the garden. I, I meander at times. So yeah, at some point I'll I'll go more into deep dives with, with some of them. But sometimes it's the guests. Like sometimes I have the guests that you know they like me. They they start talking about these other things. I mean, the way I think is largely influenced by the people I learn from, who are who are my guests or authors or whatever, and they they sort of think and write the same way. So it's hard for me just to focus down. But like for instance. Belial, B-E-L-I-A-L, who's one of the seven lieutenants of the, the of the Watchers, the the war against God. He's they they say he's cognate for Baal, 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 the Canaanite God we were just talking about, the enemy of the Israelites, right? Who or the Hebrews who later became the Jews, um, and Baal, you know, or, or Belial is also Beelzebub. Uh, you know, just a, a high-ranking demon in hell. They're they're all the same person, and part of it is a way to demonize, you know, the Canaanites versus the Israelites. Because if you're if, whether you're Jewish or Christian, the Israelites are your, are your good guys, you know, in that, or at least they need to exist for for your for your Messiah to come back, right? So you know, so. Baal is the bad guy god. So while he might be represented by a, a you know a giant black goat, it might be like you know Zeus who came down like a goat all the time. But you still picture Zeus as a man with thunderbolts. Anyway, um, yeah, that, that that that's a long way around. But you're you're right. A lot of these are the, a lot of these names are for the same thing, um, and then they all grow their own mythologies and their own fan fiction. And it's hard to tell what's fiction and not. Uh, because there really wasn't much in the way of writing, period. I mean, the first writing that we know of is from around 6,000 years ago. And the first fictional, and, and that was like, you know, bills of lading. It was like inventory on, on what was coming in and out of ships, you know, and trade and caravans. Very boring stuff. Um, so the first, that's why the Epic of Gilgamesh is talked about so much. Because it's the first writing of fiction that people know about and know was Fiction. And of course, it references a, fl- a flood myth and giants, and uh, you know, got someone who's two thirds divine and, and half magical. You know? So, I mean, you know, you have a you have like a giant thinking Sasquatch in there as well. You have a giant Umbaba. Um, so you have the, the whole tie in with the king and the land, and the you know, the king is part of the people and creatures made from from sand and dust. You know, so I mean, it, it it's all there. I mean, you know, nothing's new. Of the sun, we just give them different names and different variations, and just multiply that by you know a world where there were maybe ten, you know, two hundred thousand people to two hundred million people to two billion people to now over seven billion people. That, there's a lot of imaginations out there. All right, two more. Um, the woman in white, uh, which uh, yeah. has different names, La Llorona, uh mainly the woman in white. So, what were you able to find out about her? Yeah, woman in white. This is this is an archetype that you find pretty much everywhere, and, and I'm glad you mentioned La Llorona because absolutely one of those. But the woman in white, the woman in the wisp. Some people think maybe the lady in the lake might be, but probably not. But woman in the white just generally is um, the woman who was wronged in some way or lost her child. Oftentimes, she lost her child because of that wrong. Maybe she was the victim of rape or incest. Maybe uh, unforced abortion. Maybe a miscarriage. Maybe a stillbirth. Uh, maybe SIDS. 
what whatever was you know maybe the child didn't look like the father and the father killed it because she was unfaithful or whatever it was anyway the woman in white is the spirit of that woman who's coming back looking for the child and and sometimes taking other children to replace that loss but she never can and she always sort of wails and moans and wanders uh, but a particular danger to children so again let's look Let's not forget that in you know up until two or three hundred years ago, pretty much four out of every five kids died before age four. Um, you know, which is why they say you know ten you know five thousand years ago the average age was you know forty two. It, it, it's not because most people died by the time they were forty two. Plenty of people lived to be seventy, eighty, ninety, you know, whatever it was. But four or five of them died before they were two years old. You know, and probably three out of four of those died before they. You know, fully exited the womb, and a lot of the mothers died too. So, La Llorona, harpies, witches, Lilith—they're all sort of the same kind of thing, just depicted in a different way. But the woman in white—you know—you can picture the fog, you can figure mists off the uh, off the sea, but uh, basically associated with tragedy, typically in rural areas, not usually in the cities. Well, there's less fog and mist, and you know, things like that in the cities. There's more light. There's more people. Um, Oftentimes Caucasian, though, um, so you think that maybe the the history might be the, the same as you know from Slavic, you know, or, or uh, Celtic. Um, weeping seems to be more associated with with non-Caucasian, but that's sort of like a small variation. Um, but usually, there's some sort of betrayal by someone who is important to them in life. And the loss of a child or children, or couldn't have children, and so just just in a perpetual goal is to replace that loss. And uh, last one on the list is uh, again just a, a movie monster. Maybe there's some significance to it, and that's why I got Jeff here for Godzilla. Where are you going to find right. a love, Godzilla? I love Godzilla. But there isn't much. People have tried to associate Godzilla with about a million different things, but no, Godzilla was really just um, sort of an environmental response to the nuclear uh, bombs dropped by the Americans. Some people say Godzilla is a representation of America, the big monster trying to kill us. I doubt that's the case because some of the heroes were American in, in the original movie. I think it, I think it's the first environmentalist uh, monster. Now, the interesting thing is in the new movies, uh, the, the new, I don't know how many of them there will be, but Godzilla is referred to as one of the Titans. Um, and that's very, well, there's 12 Titans. So you hear the number 12 a lot, and Godzilla's king of the Titans. So 12 plus 1, Zodiac has 12 signs around the sun, Jesus had 12 apostles, King Arthur had 12 knights on the round table, we have 12 months. 12 is a special number. That's that's why we our clocks go 1 to 12, 1 to 12, instead of 1 to 24. Um, because 12 is a special number plus the 1. Uh, that's why 13 is a special number to uh, Mesoamerican cultures. It's bad luck in, in, in the uh, West, but that's because that's, uh, Friday the 13th is the day the... Um, the Templars were, were betrayed by King Philip and killed, uh, or tried to be killed anyway. Um, but uh, in, in the new, it's Titans that live underground, and we saw Kong lived in the hollow earth. So more plugs for Garden of Doom. I have several shows on the, on the hollow earth. 
Into the Great Wide Inner is one of the episodes with Andrew Goff, who is on the Discovery Channel and Gaia all the time, and another with Reverend Jim Williamson. Um, I, I forget what we call it, but I've, I've got a bunch of shows on, on Giants, but those two shows, which were uh, close together, um, are, are very tied to the Hollow Earth, but it's very... Lovecraftian, this new version of twelve giant monsters that ruled the ruled the world and are just waiting for their time to come up until something awakens up. And don't remember the you know the Cthulhu in his mansion at Riley. The Cthulhu gent, gently dreams. Uh, don't wake the Cthulhu because someone woke the Cthulhu up. And when that happens, the the Titans and their familiars go back to taking over the world again 12 of them just like the 12 families there'll be one king 13 the, thir- the 13 the 13 kings the 10 kingdoms and then you go back to lovecraft sort of being a racist and, and does it all fall into the same kind of uh evangelical QAnon uh myth maybe maybe not maybe there's enough borrowed i don't know but but that, that's the new version of Godzilla, but that part's very interesting. The, 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 the titans of old, which are supposed to be the protectors of the Earth, protecting from what? Man, the, the, the ravenous beasts, which brings us back to Godzilla being sort of an environmentalist protection, a manifestation of, of Earth protecting itself. All right. And that is the show, guys. Uh, we went through everything. Uh, thank you to Mish for jumping on. Uh, happy birthday to Mish yeah, again. And, I can't uh, get him on Garden of Doom, but uh, but you can get him. On, but big time Drew Yari can get him. Well, I'm not. I'm not big time. Trust me. <laughs> but You're I mean, big time Drew Yari. What what do we call this show? Do we call this uh, Garden of Doom? Do we call this Garden of Yari? What do we call it? How about the uh, Garden of Droom? <laughs> Garden of Droom with Mish. Garden of Droom with Mish. Yeah, we G- Garden of Droom slash Mish got caught up in quicksand. <laughs> Mish got caught up in quicksand. All right, so yeah, we're just that's we're how just... Mishka quicksand. <laughs> uh, do we put this on Patreon or do we like make this free for everybody? It's your show, buddy. But I, you know, listen. I would. I always want more people to hear about it. I always want more people to to listen to Garden of Doom and be exposed to it. And if they find this interesting, hopefully they will. Um, I've been trying to get Mission Garden and Doom. I can't quite nail it down, so this is the closest. So uh, that would be my request, if you don't mind. So uh, you want me to send you the file after? Well, do you want me to edit first and then send you the file? No, no, you can you can load it up as as your show and just and just drop it under the Drew Yari show. I'm not saying I want it to be a Garden and Doom show. I I just uh, I just would want a wider audience than just the Patreons to be able to hear it, if possible. Uh, tell you what, let's let's share it. I'll put it on my show, and I'll send you the file, and you can put it on your show. Okay, okay. that's all right. I can do it as a bonus show. That 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 sounds good. All right, you heard it first, folks. Uh, this is a special episode of both my show and uh, Jeff's show, Garden of Doom, and uh, we got a cameo. We got a crossover, a crossover that people have been waiting for with Mish. Stranger Frank and Gus ever. Strangest Frank and Gus ever, and Gus isn't even here. There's so many names for this show. Uh, I don't know. I'm well. My middle name's Stephen. What's your middle name? Mark with a K. So S- Stephen, Mark, Frank, and Gus. Minus Gus. <laughs> Are we a boy band? Yeah. Well, I like the Garden of Droom better. Garden of Droom. There you go. I'm the Mish is the big brother, 
uh, or uh, you, you you'd be the big brother. Mish is the he's the he's the sensitive one. Joey's the bad boy, and I'm who would I be? You're the adorable one. Yeah, there you go. I'm the adorable. All right, guys. It was fun mixing up with everybody this morning. Hope hopefully everybody had a good morning and has a nice rest of the of this nice Sunday of this nice Sunday uh, day. Uh, it's nice and cold. It's nice and cool here in San Antonio, so hopefully we'll enjoy it. But uh, Jeff, Emma, thank you for uh, thank you for coming on and uh, making this show happen. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad I could. I'm glad we finally got this done. I'm glad I gave you the homework assignment you gave me. But if you want to hear more free, first of all, follow me on Twitter if you like, at IcarusFLMD. I'm, I'm happy to interact. Um, I do a lot of shows on the PWC network, too many, but they're mostly wrestling. So if you want to get a perspective with me and Jimmy T, sometimes Chris Am, sometimes Michael Jargo, uh, sometimes Sexy Time Kevin Panetta, um, I also did commentary for Dollar Wrestling Club at their event Midnight, I'm sorry, Mischief Night. It's on YouTube. It's actually pretty funny. Um, uh, my wrestling podcast, uh, Hammerlock Hangover with Steve Pena. You can find that on the Wrestling Soup Network and the PWC, BW Hustle, um, among other places. Garden of Doom, you just got a taste of the Garden of Doom. Uh, so I don't think I need to really tell you what if you like this show or you found it interesting and you want to learn more things like this from people smarter than me who made me sound smarter than I am or stupider than I used to be. I don't know. Maybe but at least more interesting. Check out Garden of Doom. You can find that on the Wrestling Student Network and the PWC and the PW Hustle and the Hameen Media Group. Uh, uh, probably other places, too, that I can't think of. Garden Views is its sister show. That's more topical. Legal uh, science, a lot of a lot of space law, uh, the, the law of cannabis. Um, so you know, very very much more grounded than Garden of Doom, but it's still me. Um, there's some random interviews there too. All the, the the retired chief of New York City police department detectives who solved uh, his team solved the Son of Sam, the original World Trade Center bombing, uh, the the Bell Parkway uh, incident some high-profile assassinations, things like that. Um, Gautama's 90th birthday party day. Um, so there's, there's also some interviews there, but yeah, a lot of stuff there. And of course, once every month to two months, uh, I'm on Drew's show, either for this Patreon show that, that we do together, and every now and then I pop on his regular show when I can, though it, it, it conflicts with Dynamite and oftentimes doing the PWC skirmish, which is where we cover Dynamite, uh, oftentimes after the show. So, um, but there's me. I, I mean, I don't know anyone who's listening to this who doesn't know where to find me. But in, but in case you didn't, now you do. If you didn't know, now you know. Oh, you didn't know. Um, and uh, you know, and you know where to find me. I, again, I, like I said, I've had a busy week in podcasting. Uh, so Patreon. It's five bucks a month if you didn't already know. Five bucks a month, it's a good deal. I I don't think you get charged fully five bucks. I think you get maybe charged like three eighty something. So you don't have to pay too much. Uh, you get shows I do with Jeff here on on Patreon from our lips to your ears. I do a show with RJ, which is already up. Uh, we we hadn't done one in a while, so we just did one just covering all the uh, the news going on in Marvel. And every now and then we talked a little about our wrestling. Um, I do a show with Ruben called Culture Attack, which we just did one not too long ago, so listen to that one. 
And uh, you'll get the ad-free version of the regular show that you hear on Wednesday on there. No ads, just uncut, completely the way I intended it. Um, And also, uh, again, the new show, the Wednesday show is already up, so listen to that. Uh, The Q&A show for the month of October, uh, not October, November. Uh, We just did that last night. It's already up. That's you're gonna want to listen to that. That one's a funny one. Like I was, I was laughing so hard I was crying. Like it was, it was that funny. I couldn't, I couldn't breathe. Um, I do that with Justin, who's a, uh, who's been a part of the uh, the family since uh, July, I believe. Yeah, July. Um, so you're gonna wanna, you're gonna wanna listen to that one. And then also this one, I'm doing the hottest the free agent acquisition since Cody Rhodes. Got that right. And also this show I'm doing with Jeff, which is um. Basically, just a crossover show. It's a it's a mix of my show and his show. That, uh, like I just mentioned, it's going to be on my network. And it's also going to be on his network. So, uh, if you don't know where to find it, you know where to find it. And uh, also, yeah, Mish was on the show. So, the biggest cameo that no one expected is uh is uh hey hey Justin's a good guy. Goof, come on, he's good. He's good people. I'm a pervert. You should know that by now, Goof. But um. Anyways, guys, great, great sending this uh, this Sunday with y'all. We'll see y'all on Wednesday for the regular show. And uh, what else can I say? But uh, have a good week, have a good weekend, and uh, peace. Just remember, peace signs equals war. Stay evil, my friends. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and sign up with promo code SWING to receive $200 in free bets on launch day after registering. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. 21 and over, physically present in Maryland. Eligibility restrictions apply. Subject to regulatory licensing requirements. See DraftKings.com MD for full terms and conditions. One per customer. Bonus issued as free bets. No purchase necessary for sweepstake. Void where prohibited. Ends first day DraftKings is allowed to operate in Maryland. See terms at dkng.co slash md. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and sign up with promo code SWING to receive $200 in free bets on launch day after registering. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. 21 and over, physically present in Maryland. Eligibility restrictions apply. Subject to regulatory licensing requirements. See DraftKings.com MD for full terms and conditions. One per customer. Bonus issued as free bets. No purchase necessary for sweepstake. Void where prohibited. Ends first day DraftKings is allowed to operate in Maryland. See terms at dkng.co MD.